in the White House, President Eisenhower signs the proclamation that makes Alaska's entry into the Union official, nearly 92 years after Lincoln's Secretary of State bought the territory from the Russian Tsar for $7 million. The Alaska Wild Project podcast is brought to you by the following sponsors. Barney Sports Chalet, supplying hunters with the best hand-selected gear since 1963. The exclusive home of Frontier Gear, built for the rugged Alaskan terrain. Your one-stop shop for all your outdoor needs. Visit Barney's today at 906 West Northern Lights. Arbor Digital, the forefront of digital assets, cryptocurrencies, and wealth management. Providing a low-cost, research-based investment strategy for Alaskans looking to invest their hard-earned money. Visit arborcapital.io today to put your money to work. Tailored Restoration 24-Hour Emergency Home Services. Helping Alaskans restore their dreams since 1972. Services include fire, water, mold, post-emergency cleaning, repair, and remodeling. Give them a call in Anchorage, Eagle River, Matsu, or Fairbanks. Hit them up at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. Total Truck and Alaska Overlander, Alaska's premier supplier for custom automotive accessories and overlanding products, providing all-inclusive rental vehicles and trailers custom outfitted to explore the Alaskan backcountry with a unique and convenient traveling experience. Serrano's Mexican Grill, two locations, one on Tudor, one on Northern Lights. The Northern Lights location has their new tequila bar. Check it out. Also see their daily specials at serranosmexicangrill.com. TheTreeHouseAK.com, located at 341 Boniface Parkway, Alaska's own and grown cannabis and CBD store. Ask the bud tender what the strain of the day is to get your 10% off. The Treehouse, where the culture lives. The Connoisseur Lounge, Alaska's premier locally owned and operated cannabis retailer, located in the heart of Palmer, Alaska. Their cultivated products include Snowcap Romance, Aurora Haze, Superglue, and much more. Find them at theconnoisseurlounge.net. AKO Farms, located in Sitka, Alaska, built from the ground up with concentrates as their single motivation, with exclusive products such as their sugar wax, full-spectrum diamond sauce cards, and more. Ask your local bud tender about AKO. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under the influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For the use of only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children, and marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. The Bait Shack, located on Ship Creek upstream of the bridge. Can't miss the bright red shack. They're the go-to fishing gear rental and guide service on Ship Creek. Tight lines and fish on. Come hook into the action with them. Hit them up at thebaitshackak.com. Snow Pro AK, your snow and ice management company specializing in business and residential properties. They know what it takes to keep your property presentable and safe. Give them a call for a free estimate at 280-7098 or visit lawnproak.com. Double Shovel Cider Company, located off of Arctic and 58th handcrafted Alaskan-made colonial ciders. They also have a tap room downtown on the corner of 5th and E. Stop by today and taste an award-winning cider. The Alaska chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. BHA is the voice of our Alaskan public lands, waters, and wildlife. Their goal is to uphold our hunting and fishing legacy while keeping our public lands wild. Stand up today and join BHA at backcountryhunters.org. Yeah. They do flights and then they have people from the brewery. Yeah, they and they just like, I mean, just from the first time I went there, you know, it's 
I, I feel like, like first impressions on uh, on restaurants are pretty damn important. Tingy, don't be shy. Ready? Yeah, go ahead, man. Ooh. Don't wait for us, man. <laughs> you see, you're so ready, and I'm just blah, 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 blah. Oh, no, no, that. Their mind's going to sign late. Yeah. What <laughs> <laughs> well, you got? Grapefruit? Sparkling <laughs> seltzer? This is canned water. <laughs> what do you got going on over there, dude? Electrolytes. Uh, what, I have gone, what I have going on over Spoon here is drift. called discipline. <laughs> oh. Get a 12-ounce can of discipline? It's, I love it. it only works in about half of January. <laughs> I know. My wife and I were talking about, like, you know, the idea of going to the gym, you know, you always do that whole thing. I was like, yeah, I'll go in like March, April. <laughs> Actually, probably mid-February by the time everybody gives it up. Well, tell us why you're, you're uh, not drinking uh, adult beverages. I'm doing dry January. But to, also because I just really want to um, get fit fit up for winter strong yeah. in is. February. Did we talk about that when you're in here? Um, I think I so. Maybe a little bit. What I don't is remember. That? Winter Strong? Yeah, it's an event event from a guy that I met years ago. Sorenex, right? He owns a fitness company called Sorenex. They build, like, the best shit that's, like, custom, you know, any, like, Duke University professional teams. But they outfitted uh, on J-Bear. So J-Bear got – it's super sick. Like, it matches their colors and, like – it's all American made, welded in South Carolina. All workout equipment, weights. Yeah, rack, racks, racks, and, yeah. dumbbells. And they design a lot of stuff. They have a lot of very unique stuff. His his dad started the business in his garage. It's it's a super awesome story. He's yeah. a, you know he's an amazing person himself. The son Bert, uh, his dad's awesome too. Um, his dad was like into like strongman stuff. He really loved strongman stuff, mm-hmm. and. Um, that evolved into like him building better equipment. And then uh, Bert has kind of uh, expanded upon that through like just network. He's like amazing at networking because he's just like a, he's just super. Well, they blew up big time. Super good human. Yeah. And they landed some military contracts. He works with a lot of military special operations guys. And uh, now they've like, (laughs) they're ridiculously Yeah, they've blown up. And he started a, he's a big outdoors guy. So they used to have this event, or they still have this event called Summer Strong, where they just have like a meeting of the like minds in sports, fitness, training, uh, you name it. The who's who of the fitness world is there. So it's like strength athletes, strength and conditioning coaches from college, professional sports, to military guys. They got speakers. They have, and they're doing like lifts and stuff, and then. Uh, he is him and his dad are big outdoors guys. Mm-hmm. Like his dad has hunted their whole life. Where are they from? South Carolina. Okay. And uh, then they, so he wanted to bridge that gap between like the outdoors, fitness and outdoors. Yeah, because because he was meeting all these like guys outside of the sports world that were like more uh military law enforcement type community and mm-hmm. a lot of those guys are big hunters and there's some athletes that are too it's not a huge thing because those guys dedicate so much time to their craft of sport and so he wanted to bridge the gap between the meet the two because he was like dude these people are like similar like yeah they're alphas and alphas and they just do two different things but they're 
made of the same DNA, right? And so mm-hmm. he was like, I need to make them meet. And so he created Winter Strong, which is like an outdoor event where you're eating game all oh, the time. Like, oh. Oh, it's, yeah, it's crazy. Cooking, like, the cooking's ridiculous. Uh, then he's got, like, guys forging knives. Can you look that up real quick, B? Sure. I didn't realize it was that extensive. Winter Strong? That's cool. <clears throat> this is called? Yeah. Winter Strong? Sorenex Winter Strong, yeah. So that's like your game meet party with, like, archery in the outdoor and the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, because they, he, they bought this ranch. He calls it the ranch. And it's, um, I don't know, a couple hundred acres in South oh, there's Carolina. Summer Strong. Yeah, Sornex Outdoors. Nice. But he's like, you know, he's done Cam Haynes' gym now, Joe Rogan's gym. Mm-hmm. Like, so he's like. Oh, just custom, just full custom builds. Yeah, that. Oh, gotcha. I did see that on Cam's thing. So he's like Val Cortson. He's in like. Okay, gotcha. I got it. Rad. So what other events are in the winter strong? Basically, like, you eat, you work out. It's not as much events as it is, like, uh, they'll yeah. do, like, he's got um, a girl that's won, like, naked and afraid a few times. She does, like, a survival-type fire-starting deal, like, how to start fire with a, you know, a bow and stick type yeah. deal. And uh, so they go over some stuff like that. Then there's... Uh, They'll have they'll have shooting classes for there's a lot of people a lot of athletes haven't shot guns, mm. so the Volkortsen provides these like super nice twenty two pistols and twenty two rifles, and then he's got Butch is like Leopold's rep for like military law enforcement type stuff and yeah. long range shooting, so he's teaching people how to shoot long range, so guys are like shooting six hundred yards with twenty twos and it's more steel. like a um gathering classes it's a gathering it's like, called a gathering okay it's not like so and so versus no but this then guy. they then they do an event that brings it all together that's like run shoot lift event <laughs> yeah okay. gotta get okay. jim Patton in the no. red corner <laughs> we have this guy with the shoulder king of beers <laughs> grew up watching that guy talk it was great when when is that february it's like super bowl weekend and you're planning to win this the yeah event, how do you, yeah. you win then the well, the events team, so, like, you have – each team has an archer, and that's kind of the captain, I guess, because the archer is the only one that shoots at the 3D targets, which is the most of the shooting. Everyone shoots a pistol. Everyone shoots a rifle. But the archer is the only one that shoots um, throughout the course. And the course is, I don't know, it's like three miles long. Got it. And uh, at each 3D target – there's certain type of exercise you have to do before you shoot. So it'd be like kettlebell swings or anything. Oh, so the yeah. challenge is to like be accurate and efficient, like worn out or having well, like wow, wow, yeah, yeah, mm. under like stress, heart oh, rate. Shit. So what do you, you said you're doing two a days? Are you doing like elite and and gym training? Yeah, elite cardio. Yeah, but I haven't started yet. I mean, I snowboarded today, so it's like a one a day. <laughs> yeah, you'll be feeling that tomorrow, right? <laughs> no, I felt great. Really? Yeah. How was the How was the mountain? Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I think that they're. Whoever does their report needs to get a new ruler. I think his is in <laughs> yeah. fucking millimeters, not inches. Well, they were like 14 want. inches. I was like, uh, you, your girlfriend must think your shit is huge. <laughs> <laughs> that is not even in the realm of 14 inches. Like if it's you like plowed it up, 
I'm sure three. He measured, the, he measured the pile on the front of the snowcat or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, yep, four, pushing 14 in. No, it was crusty, but there was some pockets. Yeah. yeah. As usual, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, welcome to Alaska Wild Project episode 97. Um, today we have in the house our buddy Aaron Tangy, Yo. Chad Arntz. Yo. And uh, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to chat with Tangy for a little bit, and then um, we're going to call uh, Billy Malls up. Um, he is the Modern Day Mountain Man. You can find him at the Modern Day Mountain Man on Instagram. Um, he is a big Alaska guide up here. He is an innovator. I would think one of the main first guys that was putting out hunting videos, um, DVDs, books. Um, he probably wasn't even doing it in the VHS days. Um, so <clears throat> he's a big time Alaskan guy. He lives in Wisconsin, so we're going to give him a call. Um, I know we like to get people inside the studio uh, usually, but um, kind of special deal here with him. That'll be fun, man. We haven't done a full blown. I think last time we did it was with Jeff when we did the oh, call. Oh yeah, okay. That was like yeah, the only that one was we last did. Last one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and his, you know, sometimes the connection's kind of tough. Yeah. Down right. Southeast too. Or it's lag or something. Oh, like yeah, yeah. There's yeah, just yeah. something. But yeah. I mean, we need to get more into it because we've had, I've had several folks that I've met over the last few months, and oh man, get you on. I'm like, well, I live out of town. Yeah. Do it over the phone. I'm like, yeah. I mean, it's not the same. It's nice to get everybody in, but just for Billy to take his time and talk to us today, we'll. We'll take it, man. That's a win. Yeah, there's yeah. certain people you got to just say yes to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's on that list. Yeah. Big time. Yeah, Big I listen time. to some of his YouTubes, watch him and stuff like that. It's pretty cool. He's got a bunch. He's in like a sixth season of shows and stuff. And mm-hmm. yeah, all the DVDs that are sitting on that table. He's, he's like, like, here's all the. Guiding machine. Yeah. Yeah, he's a badass. Well, before we get too far, um, just make sure and keep the hype going and movement on BHA. Get the pint night Monday, January 16th, MLK Day, 6 to 8, Palmer Ale House. Got the pod, mm. followers, supporters, fans. Mm. If you're around, come on out to the house, get some pizza. The BHA beer will be on tap from Bear Paw. Yep, yep. Going to have a keg nice. going there and uh, get a get a beer, get a raffle ticket. Could win a float. Uh, lots of giveaways. Make sure to uh, tune in and uh, get involved. It's going to be a fun night. Yeah. Actually, go to their page real quick. Go to sure. their BHA. Yeah. Um, um, on Instagram or the? Uh, their actual BHA Alaska page. I think it says okay. all the prizes and stuff on there. Um, yeah, we were just talking about Palmer Hill House. And, like, those guys do a great job between the outdoor concerts and all the stuff and the merch and the selling. Yep. They had Double Shovel, and me and my girlfriend went out there and worked the event. And they have... They have like four beers on tap, so you can do a full flight all week long. And at the end of the week, Thursday or Friday, they'll bring actual brewery worker people there to explain all the brews to the locals or the people who have come out and checked it out and give them a bunch of swag and merch and stuff. And it's pretty cool. You get to try a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. Good shout out, man. Yeah. The house is is dope. Yeah. It's got a good vibe there. And and we got to meet... uh, Corey, the owner, the yeah. other night, and have a yeah. meeting with them, and welcomed with open arms, man. Yeah, super like, nice it's guy. Just all community Runs and it well. Yeah, loves it. I think it was up there. You passed it. Yeah, it won't like open for some reason. I had it oh, in the last s- slow internet action. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. They got a little countdown there, and you can click on yeah, the man. Go when, <laughs> where, and why. So yeah, go to the website. Sign up for the gifts. I mean, the float trip alone 
That's awesome. Oh, wow. they, and they got some smaller stuff, some stuff from Fish Pond, um, some gear, some Mystery Ranch stuff. Um, nice. It's just going to be a good little event. It's going to be one of maybe several things that we're probably going to do upcoming um, mm-hmm. as like, it's almost like uh, gathering season. <laughs> right? I was like filling out the calendar last night and I'm like, damn, we got the Derby, we got the SCI oh, Banquet, yeah. we got the Wild Sheep Foundation, we got the Meat Party, we got... You know, fills up quick, yeah. really yeah. quick, really quick. I did a rod, Homer. Iron Dog, yeah, the Winter King Derby. Yeah, Would there's going to be something going all the time now. Do a Homer, Homer Ash Cup, do the hockey thing. Oh, then, yeah, dude, that's we're back. Yeah. We're doing McLaren right after that, and then I want to go with your brother out to uh, tailgate. Check that out. Oh yeah, you guys are talking oh, about yeah. tailgate. It's dude. like boom, boom, boom. I'm like, oh, I'll take a month yeah. off. I guess that's right. <laughs> Ta- tailgate's back now. Yeah, back Ooh. last year. Oh, post COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. That's cool. I still haven't gone. I need to go check it yeah, out. Cause our, yeah, because um, Arctic Man's Arctic done, Man's right? Gone. Dead. From, from what I've heard. So we used to do to, uh, Toke to Dawson every year. Yeah. And so now we take like 26 to 30 people, however many we can room out in McLaren, and do a mini Toke to Dawson out there with a bunch of people like the Jalapeno Boys, Goberto, and all those guys, and all these people that just, you know, and it's great. And just take over the whole place for a weekend. It's awesome. Talk yeah, about fun, that a little man. bit, the Toke to Dawson. So the Toke to Dawson was a 200-mile snow machine. You'd start in Toke, Alaska, and everybody usually get there about a day early. So we'd, like, hang out at what was, I think it was called, the, I think it's the Wolf's Den now, but the Three Bears own that bar and liquor store now, and then it was Fast Eddie's. So you'd sit, and you'd get a meal, you hang out, have some beers, talk to all the people, live music or whatever, and then you'd get on your sled the next morning and ride. And then you'd have a chicken, refuel, and then rip over to Dawson. And they would open up the casino, all the Airbnb, the B&Bs, whatever. You got all your stuff and prizes and everything. And they would tow all the prizes back with the, the groomers prior to you getting there. So you don't have to carry anything back. They have trail sweeps. They had the sled dogs, which is like the Canadian version of the firefighters had a tent with uh, hot cocoa on a big open fire with schnapps. If you wanted it, if not, there was older guys and kids or whatever, you know, so they had the non-alcoholic. Did you, uh, you just party sour toe <laughs> cocktail? Oh yeah. 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 Dawson's in Canada, right? Dawson. Yeah. So is there someone there like checking your, yeah. When you cross order agent, yeah. When you cross the actual Correct. Well you so the ending, you come into town and you cross the frozen Yukon River, which okay. is the road bridge which is to the- get because there's people that live on both sides and there's like dog sledders and all this. There's actually a guy that lives in the cave across from the thing and he just walled it off has a smokestack sitting out and he lives in there with his dogs all year round. And we <laughs> did this one year. It was 58 below zero when we left Toke. It was 72 Jeez. below zero when we got to Dawson. 72 250 below. people signed up. Like 170-something made it. It was so cold. <laughs> like, oh, my was, God. It, like, if the freaking fuel in the oh, carburetor didn't freeze. If you like, let go of your hot grips, it took you 10 minutes to get back that heat on hot grips oh, you gotta have cold. gauntlets oh yeah we had gauntlets you gotta have gauntlets yeah just not tape, going that tape oh yeah taped tape, up open Vaseline. face mask going like 30 miles an hour because you're just like <laughs> you're just turning your side freezing what's gauntlets uh just like go over the handlebars you put oh okay like yeah. what you see the fat tire fat dudes fire. doing yeah fat tire yeah. Oh, okay but for, well yeah. 
and they're like furry on the inside well you don't so. see that that often that's more like the old man iron trail iron. rider totally. oh, iron man iron iron dog sorry boys oh yeah the iron dog you gotta have those because oh, that wind is ripping well and you got it you got to run thin gloves or your, yeah. hand, your hands fatigue. The thicker your gloves, the more your hands fatigue. Oh, because you're like Gripping. trying to squeeze harder. It takes more effort to hold on. That makes so sense. So you run thin gloves, totally. you can run gauntlets. And the heaters are hot as hell with gauntlets on. Yeah. Oh, because oh, it's holding heat. heat. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it gets to you oh, quicker. Shit. And, you you know, you don't sweat as much through these big gloves. And then your gloves get wet. And like he said, all that fatigues you because, you know, we perspire. And that pulls moisture and heat away from your body. And therefore, you fatigue faster. So... You don't notice it when i was 72 below i mean I, we had to stop and eat whatever we could because yeah. your your mind starts losing focus because you don't have calories to burn so are mm, the musher dudes crazy. more gangster because they ain't got the heated musher um, no but they sled have those, dog thing you've seen those gloves those things are like they're not going medicine. 60 bro <laughs> <laughs> they don't have oh. windshield but but they're out there longer they, though mm-hmm well, well yeah. and this yeah. whole thing, I mean, you leave and we're, you know, we were going 80, 90, buck 10 on the Taylor Highway, which is what's closed during the winter. They only operate one highway. And I mean, yeah, it's cold, man. It's 100 below when you're ripping 80, 90, 100, and it's 60 below, like he's saying, you know. How are you staying hydrated? <sighs> Whiskey mostly. Whiskey don't freeze. That's true. Yeah. Whiskey don't I freeze. I was thinking about like, okay, whiskey, <laughs> vodka, Everclear. Mm -hmm. You yeah. can drink it and put it in yeah. your fuel tank. Yeah. Whatever good, doesn't right? freeze. Totally. <laughs> like when we hiked Kilimanjaro, you take your Nalgen like this one and you flip it upside down so that the top doesn't freeze. So when you get up to 19,000, you flip it and then it's just sloshing around, but it'll freeze the bottom and won't freeze the top. You turn it open, drink, flip it around, and the kinetic energy keeps it from. Oh, is that Damn. the what the water out there? Like water in motion. Sure. Yeah. Mount Kilimanjaro, how tall is that one? It's like 19,000, like 350 something or 400. That's the tallest peak in Africa, correct? Yeah. Correct. And yeah. it's only like a couple thousand feet shorter than Denali. It's just, you know, it's in a huge desert so yeah yeah what yeah. country is that in uh tanzania and then if you go we had to do yellow fever shot because we went up and over towards kenya and went on the north gate there yellow yeah. fever shot what was that like a like a shot shot yeah like a, like a like like a vaccine some nasty stuff like mal yeah, malaria yellow fever there's oh all yeah you're susceptible to all oh, that man, shit yeah yeah it's damn man. altitude Cro pills the whole thing it's proper got that um Tick fever when he's mm. over there um, doing the planes hunt. Just like they had the nice camp and the whole thing. Like but one he, buried in him or something? Yep. One buried <sighs> in him just, just ruined his day for like, ruined him for like two days. Rough. Like had him in on his cot, sleeping, sweating, fever, Damn. the whole shit. I mean, we're so lucky in Alaska. Like it's like, oh yeah, bear, wolf, maybe a rabid moose. There it's like everything's trying to kill you. Crazy. Yeah, even just something in the water, like just tiny mosquito, get malaria, Oof. sweat, crazy. I mean, so when you get the like, is it a uh, what's the shot you get then? Is it does it give you, you like get a, a bunch? Yeah, 
I guess what I'm, what I'm saying is like a vaccine. Is like a vaccine, or is it like a um, like a flu shot where it kind of gives it's you like the flu, flu and you kind of build yeah. up to it type shit? Yeah, it's like that. And so it happened. We did it during COVID, which was nice because there's nobody on the mountain. It was awesome. Oh wow! Normally there's just so many. So I didn't realize this, but like when people climb Everest. Most of the people die waiting in line to summit yep. because everyone's stacked up at the top. Oh, mm-hmm. Everest is gross. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, the, you've seen those lines. It's, it's insane. Gross. It's a litter fast. There's yep. dead bodies. There's oxygen tanks. There's fuel cans. It's just like a yep. trash dump. It's sad. Yeah. yeah. No, nobody carries that shit out. That's what, that's why, like, I've always been, I've read mountaineering books my whole life, but I've never, ever wanted to do mountaineering because mm-hmm. anytime I've watched it, I'm like, it's the exact opposite of what you thought it was as you're when you're like a kid, right? Because mm-hmm. everything you learn, like on your build up to maybe getting into mountaineering, is like pack it in, pack it out, leave no trace, mm-hmm. but your footprints, and then you see that shit, and it's just like disheartening. You guys ain't carrying shit out. Yeah. I've never seen that side. Oh, of it. it's bad. It's I mean bad. the they've yeah they've cleaned it up a bunch, and it's still bad. Yeah. Hmm. Well, like nothing nothing melts. Right. Right. Well, it's like it doesn't like deteriorate. It blows, it blows everywhere. I mean, that place we saw weather all the way from, you know, sleet and snow and rain and this and fog and desert and jungle. And it was like, luckily we didn't get rained on, but it was towards the rainy season. And like he said, you know, it's like some wrapper, you know, you stick it in your bag, you pull your bottle out, it goes flying. Now it's Gone. dust in the wind. You see it and. You know, you're looking at this beautiful landscape and looking out and, and, you know, the grass. And then all of a sudden you see a Snickers wrapper sitting there. And it's like him. He's like, you're, you're like, God damn it. Like, yeah. Was it pretty uh, trashy, Kilimanjaro? I mean, did it have it its like spots? as bad as I thought. Yeah. Because they've kind of really cleaned it up because the amount of people that go there. It's There's a lot more access for that. Than right. Everest, well, Everest right, is right. hard. Yeah. Everest is, Nepal. It's hard to, like, if you yeah. don't carry it out. It's gonna be like it's gonna be hard for someone to because they got to carry in the same shit to get to it. Right. Yeah, yeah. So then they're like carrying double the stuff out. Sure, right. Sure. Like, I mean, totally. a lot of like the Sherpas and stuff. They, they those guys can run with like no oxygen and stuff a lot, but it's it's a major task. And like, yeah. who's gonna pay for that? And right. That's what I mean. It gets to a point in mountaineering where like the bravado of it like takes over and it just becomes more of this like arrogant thing just to like say and. It yeah. becomes something yeah. that, like, like a people with a lot of money are really the ones. You know, it's what everyone thinks of sheep honey. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, that's rich guy shit. Yeah. 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 Like, oh, you flew into this thing. Yeah. Sheep. Well, I'm wondering, like, what rich. you did to train. Like, you think 19,000 feet. I mean, altitude sickness. Like, so, like, did you train? Is it, like, winter snow at the top? Yeah, there's snow at the top. So you go up in the dark. You leave at midnight. And so we got to camp. What, it, what levels camp at? Uh, like fifteen five, okay. and so that's where you see like everybody, like all the groups, the See-poo. stuff, whatever. I bet that's a cool like oh, party sesh going on. It's down pretty there, cool. Though. It's like, and so there's like bungalows and other stuff that people pay for, and then we were in ca- uh, tents and stuff like that, you know. And you have porters that help go up, but a lot of these guys in Africa, there's guys that will run straight up the mountain and straight down in like 
26 hours or something. Oh, there's always those psychos. But it's because they can go up. <laughs> See him on the Kasugi, dude. We're fully backpack. This dude's just wearing nothing. He's running. got a water bottle. Yeah. Yeah. That was doing it in the day. Yeah. That was me on Resurrection. I'm like all packed in. I'm like, yeah, day three. I'm feeling pretty good. You know, got all my, my work, coffee, and whatever out of my system. And then this old lady goes by me and she's like, oh, we're running the Ultra. And I said, what's that? 50 miles but i'm running the 100 she's going all the way out devil's i think devil's ship creek or devil's creek or something out back all the way down and back oh my god in like the little independent finger or toe socks yeah with like a candy bar here i am packing <laughs> all this crap feeling real soft <laughs> <laughs> well that's how i mean if you follow that killian jornet dude that guy that like came down here and smashed the Mount Marathon record. Mm, okay, like if you watch that guy, he probably did. I mean, he did McKinley in like nineteen hours. Wow, bottom to top. So and, is that and back down? Is that a thing? Yeah, I mean that's is like that what these out? Africans do. It's the Masha route. Yeah, so there's easier routes. Oh, so here's like that night night. Oh, nice. And it's crazy because you're sitting next to a mountain that's like fifteen thousand five. It looks so big and jagged the whole time you're going up. Then you get to the top, and once you so you leave at midnight, you get up there when sun rises because it creates its own weather. So you want to get off of it before the weather moves in. You don't get a nice picture shot or whatever mm. for the gram. Uh, yeah, and it's, you uh, have a picture on your gram. Uh, I think so. Maybe. Do you? I I'll don't look. know. There's it's on my Facebook, probably. There's five of them. There is. There's one right there, maybe. Yeah. I don't know what that is. Yeah, me and the old lady swinging. Definitely the... not kill them and drop No. <laughs> no. That's, uh, uh, nope. Yeah, that was Machu Picchu. So. But, yeah, um, but yeah, you get up there, and it's cra- Like he's saying, it's crazy that people are doing for the gram. They're doing the upside down yoga moves and all the things. They're falling <laughs> over because <laughs> oxygen deprivation is getting them, you know, and, like, I so wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> a lot of people don't even remember getting to the top of Kilimanjaro. Like they don't remember it because just deprived. It hits oxygen. oxygen and then go down. Some people don't even make it. They can't even make it all the way up there. It's crazy. So, yeah. but yeah, we left midnight. You get up there six in the morning. Take your take a photo, and then you hike all the way around the caldera to get to the top. And then you you know take your picture with the sign, hang out, and chill. And I want to stay down. up there way longer. What's the beer they drink out there? Kilimanjaro. And they say, if you can't climb it, drink it. <laughs> that's the national beer. I like that's it. That's actually what yeah. it's called? Yeah, I have oh, a shirt. Oh, that's funny. I'll send you a picture of the awesome. shirt. It says Kilimanjaro beer. If you can't drink or can't climb it, drink, drink it. That's so, that's so money. <laughs> Isn't that funny? That is, is like brilliant a marketing, dude. Yeah. Brilliant. An ale? Yeah, something like that. Like a light yeah, just a lager, some, lager or something? Yeah, and they got some ciders and some light beers there, too. Some Serengeti and some other nice. stuff like that. <laughs> Serengeti, yeah, yeah. yeah. I got, I got some pictures. Yeah. yeah, that was a great shirt. That's so money. I got it because I wasn't sure if everybody was going to make it, and if they didn't, I was going to give them that shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. We had a couple of uh, un- underagers. Uh, buddy's daughters went, and so her daughter and her friends. So yeah. Uh, There's no limit there, though, right? No. Well, you go up, and one of the guys uh, that went with us, he turned, I think, 50 or 55, and they baked a cake, and it's really hard to boil water that high up and stuff. So sometimes Mm -hmm. they make it and bring it. Sometimes they make it. So it's like a special deal because, you know. 
Not not easy to make a cake at fifteen thousand feet. <laughs> not, <laughs> not really. He uses a lot of fuel. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of fuel. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. Somebody backpack up. 20 pound propane can up here you gotta turbo yeah. it yeah it's gotta turbo it yeah <laughs> That's it. It, it was i was surprised though it was pretty clean i mean the the latrines and stuff what they do is they have like a water catch on top and then that goes into a big jug and then everybody uses that so they don't have to pour water and do all that kind of stuff and but yeah i've heard stories of the other places with all the fuel cans yeah. and yeah like i watched that six peaks i think it's six peaks yeah. the, yeah, and man. And that guy was a beast. I mean, Holy they had shit. Oh, that dude. 14, like, 14, 14 peaks. 14 yeah. peaks. Oh, yeah. Don't, don't cut out the other oh, eight. Yeah. I know. He's like, <laughs> he's like, we got, I can't leave these guys. I got to save them on the way down. Like, we got to be somewhere else in like two hours or whatever. Dude, some, some of these guys are like superheroes, though. Some of those mountain guys. Yeah. I mean, I know. I've heard stories about a few different guys that are like that, where it's just like, yeah. I, I'm trying to think of his name. He was a big North Face athlete. He passed away in an avalanche. Mm. His wife wound up marrying his best friend. Mm. Um, and uh, I heard a story from, from about him on McKinley, and a, a climber had fallen off of, like, an ice wall, and they were, like, 300 feet down Dude. on a, a ledge. and uh, Like in a crevasse kind of thing? He was just like hanging. He was like stuck on a ledge. He was busted up, but he was alive. And his buddy didn't even know if he was alive. And they couldn't get the heli to that. Like it couldn't get close enough to like. Yeah. It was too. It was too long for. They didn't have enough rope or uh, cable to get down to it. And the helicopter couldn't get in close enough to the wall to get on it. Yeah. So he climbed down with another climber, and they were down there. And the other climber was the one telling the story, and he's like. Oh, he said he was like, well, dude, we can't, we can't get this guy out of here. He's like, cause we can't climb down with him. We can't lower him. Yeah. And there's nowhere they can't get the basket from the helicopter over. Like, like what can we do? And he's like, well, I'm just going to carry him up. And he just like tied this dude on his back <laughs> and he ice climbed like 300 vertical feet Jesus, with a dude on his back. And, just was like, and he was like, and the guy telling the story, he's like, yeah, as soon as I asked like what we're going to do. And he was like, well, I'm just going to tie him onto me and climb. He's like, yeah, yeah, you are. Like, that's, exa that's exactly what you would do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one else yeah. would, but I'll that's climb. what you would do. Yeah. I'll climb up and hold the rope. Yeah. <laughs> Some of those guys were in. I'm going to film it. Yeah. Oh, dude, that is like, you watch that, like the movies like Meru and some of these other things. And there was a guy that his friend had died. He married the gal and they hiked one of the peaks next to Meru and skied it. Like first people to ski it or something. They were both. Yeah. God That's, damn, that must have been extreme. It's like 5,000 vert feet or something. It's crazy. Just, just, just fucking hold on. Just going. Like, uh, it's, yeah, it's amazing. Like some of the stuff people do out there. I mean, the technology. You know, when, when we were ski jumping and Nordic combined and all this stuff back in Carl I had days. And I was telling my kid I used to do that. He's like, what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We used to like, let you do that. And yeah. I was like, yeah, they let a lot yeah. of things slide back then. I don't know how. <laughs> well, you had, you had Liska. Yeah, right. we had Liska. Right. Right. Lawyers. Yeah. We used to build the half pipe with Liska and those boys and like 
skiers weren't allowed and so like we wait for the <laughs> snowboarders to you know go or whatever and then we go rip down that thing and go flipping <laughs> and whatever did they have a sign too no skiers allowed no it was just kind of a thing and i so snowboarded un- unwritten rule. yeah i don't think it was oh, like an hybrid? actual rule it was no. just a kind of a like hey this is we finally have something of our own <laughs> yeah <Yes>. can you <laughs> yeah. just leave it yeah well, you got that huge the beautiful park made over there with yeah. ski jumps yeah give like, us our yeah. half a lot of money right? in that we shoveled this <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah just let us have put it. the water yeah. down smooth well there out. was that battle like to get remember when alaska like accepted borders yeah bro like, oh, you had yeah. to have a license to shred yeah. yeah it was a legitimate <laughs> card you had to show yeah. before they would sell you a lift ticket at alaska yeah. with a yeah. snowboard what year was that 90 yeah. One ninety two, something like that. Yeah, yeah. License to Shred sounds like the nastiest like snowboard movie. It was title. a ski movie, actually. Oh, was yeah. Glenn Blake. License Glenn Blake, and he gets fuck, dude, pulled over at the beginning of the thing, and the guy's like license and registration, <laughs> and he's like hands it oh, to him, and the guy's right like, here. "Sir, this is a license to Shred." <laughs> that's the beginning of the movie. Best shit ever. <laughs> That's why we made it called that when they came up with it. Because you could only ride Arctic Valley, which was horrible. Because I don't know if you remember Arctic Valley. They had one chairlift and they had one Palma and T-Bar. And did that chairlift always work? Palma and T-Bar is not invented for snowboarding. No, No. T-Bars. I used to do it. And, man, it it takes a while. And then you're... It takes you 10 tries to get to the top. Did you get like halfway? You you crash and you just drag as long as you can (laughs) to get like 50 more feet of a run in before you finally make it. Absolutely. And then my skier friends would be like, you know, they're they would be like what we did was it was always it was better on a snowboarder to grab if you had a friend that was skiing he would get on the t-bar and be on one side and you could be on the other because it didn't bite into your leg like you could just sit however you wanted on it but then your skier buddy would be like two edges so he's like carving and pushing you like towards the pole like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) you're like not funny bro and then you go i had an edge and it's just like you're exhausted by the time you get up there because you're like doing this playing and leafing you're more tired going up the lift than (laughs) than actually the actual ride itself you're like i'm gonna need a minute i gave up a couple times just disconnected and just walked to the top i was like i'm used to it because i'm like i'm used to this i'm used to walking to the top you fall off and then the next dude's right behind you like get out the way come on shimmy yeah. to the side well they retracted so once you got on it would retract and go up and then it would oh that's that. right that's right and that's so right. if you lost it lost it that's why you say you held on for dear life yeah if you lost it <laughs> just it retracted. you're done yeah. there's no like oh let me grab this it's like gone no you're just dragging <laughs> yeah that's yeah, Ali, yeah that was a big deal when we finally got to go to alaska yeah mm-hmm. that's why when i see like some of these kids nowadays that like you know sometimes the etiquette's different at Alley because it's not. Yeah. It's a little, you got a lot of people move here, you know? They got to get enough employees. There ain't enough people in Girdwood that don't have jobs to work the resort. So you get a lot of people coming in from lower 48, right? And, and they work the resort, and so they feel like they're a local. And, you know, you, sometimes they get mouthy, and they're like, this is my resort, bro. I'm just like, well, you don't have to talk to people like that. Like, you don't want to be screaming at some lady to get off the jump. She obviously yeah. doesn't know. Yeah. yeah. And you're on, it's a weekend. Like, come yeah, on, you use your head patience. here a little bit. Yeah. Dude, I'm a local. This is how we, I'm like, oh, so you had a license to shred? 
what the fuck are you talking about, bro? I'm like, exactly. You're not a local. Yeah, totally, yeah. I'm like, so yeah. tell your parents to send you a ticket, come back home to Breckenridge, wherever you're from. Stop talking shit. Yeah. I love Get it. your license. Bug. I remember back in the day. So, Do so, you even shred, bro? So Jack actually worked at Hilltop with me when we were in high school. And so then I was a ski and snowboard instructor. And I remember at Hilltop back when like snowboard was new. Real, real expert or what? So you know Bundy then. Oh, yeah. Well, the skiers would try and rip across your board, like in the beginning, like get it, you know, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like it'd be like some gang, you know, knuckle like, dragger, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> be like a bike gang, you know, like come up to some Kawasaki Ninja guy and be like, hey, bro, you know, repping your Reps Harley or something, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's take a quick break and we're gonna come back and call Billy. Let's Sounds good. Barney Sports Chalet, supplying hunters with the best hand-selected gear since 1963. Barney specializes in supplying hunters with the absolute best Alaskan-proven gear on the market for some of nature's most rugged and demanding terrain. Whether you're headed to the remote volcanic islands of the Alaska Peninsula in search of a brown bear, or the shale-infested glacial valleys of the Brooks Range for dull sheep, it is critical you choose the right gear for your dream hunt. Don't miss Barney's exclusive brand, Frontier Gear of Alaska. Tested from the high mountains of Tajikistan to the extreme conditions of Alaska. These products were designed for high performance and durability. Frontier Gear was derived from decades of experience hunting big game in Alaska. Paired with other top brands, it provides you the absolute best gear selection anywhere in the world. Stop in at Barney Sports Chalet in Anchorage on Northern Lights or check out their custom website and reference tool at barneysports.com. The Alaska chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. BHA is the voice of our Alaska public lands, waters, and wildlife. From national level policy work to engagement with boots on the ground projects from Kotzebue to Ketchikan. BHA performs public land cleanups, hunting and fishing clinics, and community education to help take your game to the next level. BHA's community-minded goal is to uphold our hunting and fishing legacy while keeping wild lands wild and fostering the next generation of sportsmen and women for years to come. Make sure to follow BHA Alaska for upcoming events, local brewery pint nights, and more. Stand up for Alaska public lands and waters by supporting the Alaska chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Join us today at backcountryhunters.org. The Treehouse AK, your one-stop dispensary located at 341 Boniface Parkway. Be sure to ask the bud tender about their deal of the day because honestly, there's always something good on deck. And guys, listen, this is where the culture lives. At the Treehouse, their dedication to servicing consumers has been developed through a lifetime of involvement in the cannabis culture. They're committed to providing the highest quality products at whatever value your budget affords, while always maintaining the deep-rooted principles that have carried them this far. Their focus is on relationships over transactions, and you can always depend on them to treat you with the respect you deserve. Hit them up at thetreehouseak.com, and remember, you must be 21 years of age to enter their store. Total Truck and Alaska Overlander, Alaska's premier supplier for custom automotive accessories and overlanding products, providing all-inclusive rental vehicles and trailers custom outfitted to explore the Alaskan backcountry with a unique and convenient traveling experience. At Total Truck, you can find brands such as ARE, RSI Smart Caps, Goose Gear, iCamper, Front Runner, Rigid Lights, Rhino Linings Bedliners, and everything you need to outfit your truck or SUV. 
Alaska Overlander provides 4x4 vehicles and expedition trailers custom modified for Alaskan adventures and outfitted with rooftop tents, fridges, and all the camping and cooking gear you need to start exploring. Visit them at alaskaoverlander.com. <laughs> he's got to he's got to show his license real quick. Yeah, show your license. Yeah, your license <laughs> to ride. There you go. Message as to what your call is regarding, and we will do. Come on, Billy. To get Come back on, Billy. Billy, we're gonna call you right back. Oh, he's calling back. Yeah. Oh, oh, right <laughs> Billy. Hello. Hold on. Let me get you connected here. One second here. Oh yeah. Working out the kinks. Working out the kinks. Can you hear me now? Oh, there he is. All right. One, two, three, one, two, three. Got me, got me. Oh, <laughs> sound check, sound check. He's live. He's live. <laughs> Old Beastie Boys. <laughs> How's the weather down there in Wisconsin? Uh, well, we're warm, so I suspect that you guys are probably cold. Right now it's 30. We've been getting a lot of snow, and yeah, it's kind of like a real bona fide winter. Nice. Right on, right on. Is, uh, the, is the ice fishing going on yet down there? Uh, we've had too much snow, so they're not driving on the lakes just yet. Uh, too much insulation on the lakes. Typically, they're driving on the lakes before Christmas, but I haven't seen anybody doing it just yet. Four-wheeler guys and the hardcore dudes are out there. Um but yeah, yeah, they're they're not driving out. As soon as they can drive out, boy, that's when the beer starts. That's when beer sales goes up. <laughs> all the guys that are laid off for the winter, they're getting after it. The wives are probably happier that way too. <laughs> what's the what's the big target species for ice fishing down there? Uh, yeah, walleyes. Yeah, uh, yeah, walleye and then panfish. You know, usually all the older guys, the, the more serious beer drinkers, just set up the tip ups and go for walleyes, and then. The older guys, they're, they're going for meat to justify their existence so they can bring supper home to, uh, you know, make it all worthwhile for their wives. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't so complete you failure. just go out there to drink beer. <laughs> no, no, no. I, mean, I, like, I, don't, I brought yeah. home fish. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I've kind of figured out is like 90% of adult pastimes, at least in the Midwest, revolve around drinking beer. Softball, volleyball, horseshoes, cornhole, yeah. you know, fishing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Oh yeah, and all the new ones are like less activities, so you can do more drinking, like <laughs> cornhole. <laughs> yeah, that's totally. kind of the way it seems to be going. Oh man, yeah. Well, we appreciate you coming on, Billy, with us. Uh, we we you were on one of our uh, long list of people that we wanted to eventually get on here on our little podcast up here in Alaska, and um, so I appreciate your time coming on. And I I think that I I personally. Um, noticed you as I was getting into hunting maybe like I want to say 15 years ago um, when I turned 30 there and uh, you were one of the guys that were consistently putting out um, actual like DVDs um, back then and I want to say they had a whole stack of them I don't know if you were at the sportsman show up here in Alaska or someone else was selling your DVDs were you doing that back then um, no, it would have been somebody else. I've never been up in any sports shows up there. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Somebody else maybe did. I know Barney's carried my videos for a while. Um, so yeah, somebody else must've had them, but yeah, I've been doing it for a while now. Uh, I think about 18 years ago, uh, I put together my first video, been guiding in Alaska for 25 and, uh, just kind of started filming kind of on a whim. The first hunt I was ever on in Kodiak, 
the the client we guided, he had a video camera and uh, filmed the hunt. And then when he shot his bear, I filmed him shooting the bear. And he sent a copy of that footage home to my parents, you know, while I was still up in Alaska for like six months. And then they got to watch all that. You know, my parents grew up on a farm. So my parents, my grandpa particularly, you know, they, they didn't know what it was like. They didn't know what I was doing. And so when I got home, we kind of figured, uh, realized that everybody was really interested in kind of the lifestyle and what we ate and flying in on the planes and, you know, how you hunted and obviously shooting the bear. That was cool. But it was really about the lifestyle that really seemed to intrigue people the most. And, and I just bought my own camera and basically just started filming home video so I could share it with my family and people that I knew to show them what hunting in Alaska and, and the wilderness of Alaska is like. And um, just like a lot of things in life, I just kind of kept with it and it kind of grew legs of its own. That's cool. Was that first one a VHS? <laughs> uh, no, no. Um, and I don't remember what my, I think it was mini DV was the, yeah, I didn't have a VHS, but um, yeah. yeah, still, still doing DVDs, man. I'm a dinosaur. I'm, I'm a slow, <laughs> slow learner, but I honestly, I sell, sell more DVDs every year. I've got a fairly old clientele. We, you know, starting to do some digital, offer digital downloads now on some of the newer films. Um, but yeah, still, still selling them. I, I, I honestly, I think DVDs are going to stick around. I think uh, just with, you know, the digital. Uh, well, you look at like vinyl records, you know, and the the digital. I think the fragility of digital. I think people are recognizing that. You get a lot of guys with like hunting camps, that sort of thing. You know, as long as they have electricity, they can play those things. And, uh, you know, for what it costs to, by the time you put a film out for what it costs to put it on DVD, that's pretty negligible compared to the production cost. So I figure I'll just keep sticking with it. People keep buying them. So it's working. You know, I did hear a fun fact that they, uh, sold more vinyl records in 2022 than they did in like the last like 30 years. So it's back. Yeah. Hipsters. Well, I remember working at shemex and they were like oh mini disc gonna take over because it's small and compact oh laser disc and all this and vhs and then all of a sudden dvds are still here still there yeah still working uh, do, you, do you have your stuff on youtube too or do you try to do exclusively people got to get it on the dvd yeah kind of what i do is uh i just kind of put some of my older stuff out on youtube and kind of like release it and have it just out available for sale for you know three four years two three four years depending on the film and then I'm just kind of slowly putting stuff out on YouTube. Yeah, that was one thing uh, when I was getting back into hunting. Um, yours, yours was uh, several. I must have been your old videos then that I would watch on YouTube. And the one thing I I recognized and noticed was that you did like a long form. Like your videos would be like an hour plus or thirty minutes to at least like an hour and a half, whereas all the other ones were like quick 20 minutes like yeah, the hunt. hype hype the actual entire hunt was on video yeah he's he's showing the lifestyle versus uh just the kill yeah sports center version I yeah like i kind of look at it like uh documentary style and that's kind of the mm. beauty of it i think is there is no format it's just whatever it takes to tell the story or at least that's kind of what i always figure as long as it adds to the overall takeaway of the story I'm going to put it on there. Yeah, some of my uh, well, some of my films are uh, my DVDs. There'll be two DVD sets, so some of them are over four hours long. Oh wow! And when I started putting stuff on YouTube, a friend of mine he has a hunting TV show. Um, I didn't. I don't know how to edit. I, I don't like computers, and uh, so I was going to start 
uh, when, once COVID hit, I was doing a lot of public speaking. And then once COVID hit, all my public speaking just disappeared. Mm-hmm. Like the whole winter's worth of public speaking disappeared in like two weeks. Uh-huh. So I didn't know really what to, what to do. I was going to make money. And so I'm like, well, I'll start putting some stuff on YouTube, see what happens. And uh, my buddy's like, man, you, you can't have anything over 20 minutes on YouTube. Nobody's going to watch it. I mean, I'd never, I knew what new YouTube was, but I never watched it. I thought, you know, it was for like 12-year-old kids. And I didn't, I didn't know what was on it. And uh, so he's telling me, he's like, man, you got you got to chop up those videos and those films into short little clips. But I didn't, I didn't want to pay an editor to do it, and I didn't know how to do it myself. And I just said, screw it. I knew enough how to put it on YouTube, and then that was it. And honestly... Um, for me, the longer my films are, the more views they'll get. When I do have some 20 minute films and uh, YouTube and those will get, you know, let's say in about a year's time, those will get like an average of, let's say 50 to a hundred thousand views. Whereas my, my full length films that are two, you know, an hour and a half to two plus hours long, those will get in a year's time, those will get over a million. Um, on average. And so I think, I think it's just counterculture. You know, if you do what everybody else is doing, you're competing with everybody. I mean, it was just purely accident. And so I, I I personally, I'd much rather watch a a movie than I would a TV show, you know, because I like the escape of it. And I think that's what makes the Alaskan wilderness, the Alaskan wilderness. It's different, you know, to go out on a, on a moose hunt or a caribou hunt where you're out there for a week or 10 days, you get the wilderness immersion effect. Where around here, where I live, it's kind of nice, man. I can I can literally walk out my door and be in a sit in a tree stand in five minutes, and I can shoot a buck, right? But you know, you're probably going to bring your cell phone along, and you're going to hear a car go by, and you're going to hear a siren, and you know, and three hours later, you're going to be back home, you know, watching TV. Where you know, so I think that's where, like, particularly for these films, these Alaskan films, like, I think if you're going to do it justice, you need to have a lot of time. You know, I I can't really, it doesn't make sense to me to like just fast forward in 20 seconds through the three day storm where, you know, maybe seemingly nothing happens. But as you guys know, like half the time, that's kind of where the magic happens. Mm. Is that those those lonely three days where your back's so dang sore because you haven't got out of bed for 36 hours and you've had to pee for three hours, but it's so cold. You don't want to go outside, you know? And so I I don't think you can really fast forward to that. There's a happy balance. I'm not saying that I found it. Um, but yeah, I try to show the good, the bad and the ugly and, and, uh, and not, not, uh, just show people uh, what they want to see, but I want to show people what they don't know they want to see. Mm. Um, and, and that's what I just feel like all the time that I've, I've spent up there and all the, you know, I figure I lived eight years of my life in a tent in the wilderness. And so if I don't know something that the average guy doesn't know, I, I, you know, I'd have to be an idiot not to. And so I want to try to capitalize on that and just show that little bit of extra perspective that I have and try to share that with people. And, and that's, that, that's a lot of fun. Well, you do a good job. I would hate to disagree with you on anything, but I got to disagree with, I think you are showing exactly what people want to see instead of you thinking this is not what they want to see. I think you're showing, and that's why, that's why you're getting those views on the longer ones because that suffering is part of it. And I think you were capturing something that hunting shows before this were like, it was a lot of deer 
like deer hunting was whitetail yeah. hunting was mm -hmm. like that's what was on television yep. and that's a lot of like deer stand stuff or blinds and there's not a lot of there's not a lot to show outside of that like you said you can walk out your front door and be in a tree stand in 30 minutes and here you can't do that like it's remote and that that journey is completely the destination up here and so you showing that in long format is awesome and that i think people maybe they just didn't know they wanted to see it but they can't turn it <laughs> yeah. off because they're so intrigued yeah, yeah and i think that's the message right is like showing people what they don't know that they wanted to see yeah they don't realize, realize until they do see and experience it that they're like oh shit that was way more entertaining than just way more yeah you know i watch the stock the kill all the the highlight stuff like the pain and suffering the bullshit the actual real yeah. part of the hunt because all those other moments usually are fast the misses. They're like, the oh, miscues, but the like, stuff that goes wrong. The back pain off the air pad laying in the tent, as he alluded to. Like, yeah. all that is like the shit that That's actually real. is real. Yeah. That I, you know, I actually watched one of your people videos. People need to know. And I watched the longer version, and I liked it for a lot of the same reasons these guys are saying, but also you, you, learn, you learn more from your failures than your successes, which you said in the video in your own words, but you also get a deeper uh connection with the storyteller you know you learn more about billy telling the story than you did if it was just highlight 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 miss here's the kill here's us packing it out you know so well said yeah, yeah. vulnerability yeah i'd say yeah. that's uh i'd say one of my strongest points uh i, I think we're one of the things that I, i'm uh, maybe resigned to and i've kind of accepted is my own vulnerability um, because I've failed so much and also because I've spent so much time with other men in a very intimate setting for a week to two weeks at a time. And it, it, I'm just, I've learned that every man has vulnerability. And when you're vulnerable, that, that knocks down everybody's walls. Mm. And people, I think, people appreciate that. And also, I've learned that if I'm anything other than me, that's never going to work. That's not sustainable. And so I've held that camera in front of my face and talked to it enough that eventually that's just kind of all melt. You know, over time, it's just melted away. And um, and and I guess I feel like that's when my videos, like that's when I, when I was truly authentic, when I kind of just came to that point where you know, more or less truly, truly authentic, which I, I, I think pretty much I am like, that's when I became comfortable. And then I was just me. And I think when we all do that, people recognize that. Mm. And, and that's, that's the other beauty of a hunting trip like that is you do get to know you, you will hit vulnerable moments with those people that you're with, because on every hunting trip in Alaska, you're, I mean, I've been on hundreds of them. You're going to face some sort of situation. You know, you know, some of them are more significant and major than others, but you're going to come to some situation that you've never been in before. And you and the people that you're with are going to have to figure out some way to overcome it or what to do about it, right? And so that's where that bond is formed. So adversity is one of two things. It's either cement or it's a wedge. And the beauty of the Alaskan wilderness is there's no way out. So you got to get through it together. And then that's where that bond is formed. And that's, that's the stuff that, I mean, you take with you to the grave, you know, that, that's, that's, that's what it's all about. 
Yeah. Yeah, well said. I mean, you nailed it there. Like, <clears throat> when the vulnerability kicks in and it just, like, levels the playing field, not that there's, a like, a competition, but it, it levels the playing field as far as, like, okay, that's who you are. This is who I am. Let's move forward and figure it out. Like, it doesn't matter what your profile is in social life, money, career, you know, your power and None your business. What I, yeah. it, like, all of it is, like, non-existent. It's just, like, human beings leveled out. Mm. And, like, man, that's yep. right. Like, and you connect and, like, and then the bond and friendships. Chad, like. Yeah, you, you, ha- you, you know, have we, to. And, it's and it like we spent, spent 18 hours in a tent, like, our first hunt. Yeah, you and learn what a good a lot way to just other. like kind of figure things out really fast, <laughs> yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah. like, it doesn't get more intimate than laying in a tent for more than twenty four hours, does it, Billy? <laughs> no, no, nope. and then especially when you do it about four days straight. Oh man, it, it, it could be the two yeah. least talkative people in the world, and they will know everything about each other <laughs> when it's out. over. Oh yeah, there's oh, no. Yeah, it all comes out. It's I unavoidable. Guys, like they want to go. They want to go on like a two-on-one hunt, you know, for let's say a dad and a son. You know, I can kind of see it sometimes, but generally I tell people, honestly, what I suggest is you go on a one-on-one hunt. You know, you fly into the camp and then, you know, the outfitter will fly into your own guide because where the magic happens is when you're wholly vulnerable, when you leave everything you know behind. If you have a person that you, you know, it, it, you, I guarantee you, you will not have the same wilderness experience as you would mm. if you're out there alone and all of a sudden you meet this guy and you shake his hand and he probably hasn't showered for a month and a half. <laughs> and I mean, you've got to spend 10 days with him. That's where that wilderness really has uh, a, a way more powerful effect on you as an individual when you leave everything that you know behind. Because that's, I mean, that's where, it, you know, that, that, that's where you, you get vulnerable automatically. You know, you mm. get into a landscape, particularly if you haven't hunted there much or don't have a lot of experience in the wilderness. That's where the wilderness of Alaska really grips you. But that said, whoever you're with, absolutely. You're, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna form a bond. I had a guy, he came up hunting with me. He hunted sheep with me twice. First time he didn't get one. The second time he, he was getting pretty disgusted on the second hunt. We had a blown stock. We passed up a, a barely legal ram on the first day. And then, like seventh day, before we saw found the next legal ram, and we blew the stock, and uh, he was getting pretty upset. Then finally, on his eleventh day of his second hunt, he got one, and he just broke down in tears. And I asked him, I said, "Would would you trade a single day, a single moment, a single step?" And he said, "Hell no." Mm-hmm. But I mean, three days earlier, I mean, he he barely, <laughs> I mean, he, just, he barely spoke a word to me in two days. You know, he was just upset, and he was like, "Yeah, you know, I was just." I was just thinking that I, you know, I was going to fail again, and I'm like, it isn't failure. That's that's just part of the process. Learning, you know? you're just learning. Trial yeah. and error, trial and error. Part oh, of the adventure, because if it's a guarantee, yep. it ain't a hunt, and if it's a guarantee, it ain't an adventure, and if it ain't an adventure, there's no sense in doing. It. No, he <laughs> he would have only failed if he didn't come back the second year. Then it would have been a failure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But coming yeah. back and getting it done, even if you had to do, I, I mean, I. I got friends that uh, they run Devil Mountain Lodge, and they have clients that it took them four years, at whatever twenty grand a pop to get a sheep. Oof. And yeah, some like, are longer than yeah, that. But they didn't Man. fail. Like you're hunting a species that's difficult, and that exposure is the best teacher on the planet. I mean, when you feel naked and 
like a speck you realize like how small you are real quick out there well and like beyond the the harvest excuse me beyond the harvest beyond the trophy the wall the mount the horns like the entire experience and what its impact is on your life moving forward as you aspire to do things that maybe are not achievable it can be life-changing and for for him and on the 11th day the breakdown the crying as, as Billy mentioned, like, I can only imagine what that did to impact a dude's, you know, yeah. perspective on how he may approach or do things moving forward. Because, like, that breaks you down at a level that not a whole lot of things can. <laughs> right? Yeah. I yeah. mean, because the yeah. level of disgust, the sleep lost, the rolling around in your sleeping bag, just, like, utterly disgusted with yourself. I mean, I think we've all been there where you just feel like you miss out on something so bad that it just, like, you can't shake it. Yeah. And then if you overcome it and then you have success, I mean, it's like, I mean, I don't know what else like kind of tops it, dude. It's like, like it's something you want too. you're going out there. Dude. You want it. It's not like you, it doesn't exist. It's not Benjamin Franklin making electricity or whatever. it's like trying yep. a thousand times. It's like, you know, people have done this, so you know, it's doable. Sure. Can you internally get to that point where you can make it happen? Mm. Make the stock, make everything. Yeah. Hey, uh, Billy, can you, um, kind of give us a little history on um, what um, introduced your love for the outdoors or maybe it was your dad or a role model and, and, and how that started and how what eventually brought you to becoming a guide in Alaska. Yeah, I grew up on a farm, my grandpa farm, my dad farm. My grandpa also trapped in the wintertime, basically. I mean, it was totally a sustenance deal. Um, you know, furs we found when he, when he passed, we found a receipt that he had for otter and beaver, he was getting 50 bucks a pelt. So he would build a log cabin in northern Wisconsin in the wintertime, and he'd trap all winter long. And then he would come home in the springtime, sell his furs, use that money to buy seeds, start a new, you know, the next farming season. And so he took pictures, and uh, he was just kind of an interesting guy. But the pictures that he would take when he was doing this, you know, this was before I was alive. Um, You know, we're talking like 30s, 40s, 50s, and into the 60s, he would do this. Um, you know, that just really inspired me. It just seemed like a cool lifestyle. And he took me trapping and he, 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 you know, he, he knew a language that I didn't know. He could see things that I couldn't see. He would talk, he'd point to something on, on the muddy bank of the, the creek or the swamp. And he'd say, well, you see the sign. And I was like, fine, what? there's no sign there. You know, I didn't know what he was talking about. And, uh, I was like, what, how does he know that that animal is going to put his foot there? And it just, I was fascinated by it, and uh, my dad, the one day, I, I mentioned it on my YouTube video, I mean, it was the honest truth, uh, my dad took me trapping, I begged him and begged him and begged him, finally we milked the cows on a Saturday morning, and we uh, loaded the truck up, and threw a rowboat and some alder stakes and some, some number one and a half Victor Long Springs, and we went down to Lightning <laughs> Creek, and we cast out, and oared away from the road, and I lost sight of the road, lost sight of the power line, and lost sight of Henry Hines' farm. And I looked around me and I was surrounded with nothing but nature and ahead was just a curve in this sluggish little creek and where it went, I had no idea, but I couldn't wait to get there. And I just, I mean, it, it literally was just a light switch moment. I just told myself, I was like, this is life. This is how I'm going to live my life. How and old were you? Kinda, uh, eight, eight years old. Nice. And uh, so I knew that's what I wanted to do. The fur, I started trapping, I think about the time I was like 12 or 13 um, late eighties, around 90, 
the uh, the fur market fell out, and I was like, okay, I'm not going to be able to make a living as a trapper. I started hunting, and I loved that. And I, my dad, my grandpa said, Billy, the pinnacle of outdoor adventures in Alaska. That if that's what you want, that's where you should go. And you know, we we lived pretty much hand to mouth on the farm, and my parents didn't take vacations, and I just figured, well, I'll never be able to afford to hunt, you know, go on those hunts myself. So didn't want to go to college and. So I figured, well, maybe I could become a hunting guide. And it was a pretty far-fetched dream. And long story short, made it up there and started doing it. And I always kind of had a dream. Maybe I'd make hunting videos and ended up doing that. And I always kind of had a dream. Maybe I'd be an outdoor writer, ended up doing that. Um, wanted to hunt a few places. Wanted to go to New Zealand. Wanted to go to Africa. Was able to do that. Went to Asia. And, uh, yeah, by the time it was all done, basically my bucket list was 100% checked off when I was 80 years old, or 40 years old, I'm sorry. <laughs> and uh, the guy, uh, I was one of my clients, I actually brought, took him on a on a doll sheep hunt. He was had two artificial knees, called me up, you know, and said it was his dream to hunt doll sheep since he was 13. And uh, so I got him set up on a sheep hunt, took him up there, he kills the sheep, got a nice ram. And uh, a year or so later, he comes to me and he says, hey, you know, you made my dream come true. I want to make your dream come true. And he knew, like, my remaining dream hunt was to go Cape Buffalo hunting in Africa. So he said, I'll pay for everything. All you got to do is say yes. And I said, well, Barry, I, I don't know how to say yes to that, but I, I ain't going to tell you no. So we go and we hunt Cape Buffalo. And, I mean, it was an amazing adventure. I did a film on it. I called it The Present. And uh, as we're driving home, I, I sat on the high rack on the way home. I'm trying to think, like, man, all these dreams I had as a kid, they, I mean, they, like, literally, like, these dreams that I never imagined would even come true. I mean, never imagined. Never, never actually thought it would happen. And uh, I'm like, what's next? And I sat there, and I just realized, like, there was literally nothing that I wanted anymore for myself. And I realized the parable of reaping and sowing, um, it's true. You know, anybody that's in the outdoors would believe that. And I realized, you know, the first 40 years of my life, I've uh, focused on reaping. What if the last 40 years, Lord willing, of my life, I focus on sowing? Mm. If I just focus on sowing, the reaping will happen by default. And because what I realized is like a guy like Barry... I mean, I, I don't know why, but I just kind of put one foot in front of the other all the time. And, and, and invariably, there was always guys there to open doors for me that I couldn't open for myself. I mean, I couldn't afford the, a trip like that. I mean, and if, even if I could, I couldn't justify it as a guy raising a family. And there he was to, to make that dream a reality. And what it led to what it led to was me just realizing, man, I I, I get more fulfillment out of helping others realize their dreams than I do fulfilling my own. Mm. I, I would, I honestly would rather guide a hunt than I would to go on one myself. A lot more work, <laughs> especially <laughs> now as I get a little bit older, mm. but yeah, it's, it's, it's unbelievably rewarding because I'm able to take my 25 years of failures and get this 60 year old man with two artificial knees. That's probably only got one climb in him. I can take, you know, him and hopefully get him a doll sheet. You know, that's that's one thing is like a guide. A lot of guys, we want to, we think uh, we'll get upset when, um, you know, your, your hunter can't go. But, I mean, that really makes it a much greater challenge 
when you're 25 years old, 30 years old, whatever, and you're physically fit, you can go, but now you've got a 60 year old man, you know, that, that, that can't go like you can, you got to pay attention and you really, you got to be a much better hunter to get him an animal than you would, you know, just for yourself to do it. Pretty, a lot easier to go do it for yourself, but to take a Chichaco and guy that's not in very good shape and give him a sheep, you, you really learn. You learn out of necessity. Necessity breeds invention. So you figure things out a lot faster when things are more difficult. Yeah, it probably changes the philosophy on that stock a ton, I would imagine. Like when you know like this guy, this client only has one, like we can't blow it. And if you have a young right. guy that's fit, you can blow a couple stocks and probably still make it happen over a 10 day hunt, you know, but if you got a guy that he's got one opportunity, yeah, that's a, I mean, that change, that's, that is going to take 25 years of experience to probably to pull do off. that out. Yeah. yeah. A lot of patience. That's awesome. Yeah. When yeah. Did, you get more variables. Yeah. When, and when so did, that makes it more challenging and you gotta, you gotta tune in all the more. When did your uh, public speaking career start? Did uh, somebody seek you out or did you just decide that you really love telling stories and doing the videos and stuff and then just jump in? Uh, yeah, I just started out at uh, like civic organizations locally and then uh, eventually I started producing videos and uh, wanted to market those. Uh, started, I, I, you know, pitched to sports shows like local ones or regional ones. And they'd give me a free booth, maybe a hotel to come and speak. And I don't know, had a, had a fair bit of feedback, um, good feedback on it. And, uh, it was just something that I continued with. And then I kind of recognized eventually after years, I recognized whether it's public speaking, uh, video production, writing, ultimately you're a storyteller. And so to tell a good story, it's all about the same. And what I kind of believe is, to tell a good story, you got to find the human element. You know, adventure is good, uh, but anything that people can connect with and resonate with. And I think for me, um, what helped me a lot was being a farm kid from Wisconsin that didn't know any, I didn't know the first thing. So when I went to Alaska, it was all like eye opening, jaw dropping because I had no idea. I mean, you know, I, I'd, I'd never been to the mountains until I was 19 years old and I drove out west to Montana to guide school. I'd never, I've never seen a mountain, you know, my whole entire life. I'd read about it, but I didn't know what it was like. And so I just had a real fresh perspective and a great appreciation for it. And more importantly, I was hungry. I was hungry because I didn't, I didn't have that, you know, I mean, I'm, my dad never was able to take me on an elk hunt at 16 years old or 14 or whatever. I mean, so, I mean, I was, I was hungry. And so that hunger, that hunger just, it, it started slow. I mean, I was just telling a guy the other day, I remember the first time when I set a trap, I don't know how old I was, five or six. And I'd been trapping for a while and I nothing ever stepped in my traps. And I remember one day I came back in this woods. I mean, I had a playground, man. I could go anywhere I wanted. I could go on the neighbor's land. I was probably trespassing fool. Nobody cared back then. But I remember I set a trap and all of a sudden one day I came back and that trap was gone. And I'm like, holy crap. I was at first I was I was I was so happy that something actually stepped in my trap. You know, I I, and I didn't know where it was. I was looking all over for it. I was bummed out. I'm like, man, what was it? So I got good enough that something actually stepped in my trap. Well, now I just need to learn how to anchor the thing, right? <laughs> and so I learned it. I learned everything the hard way. 
And I think just having that latitude and that time to learn things at my own pace and to improve steadily and just having that latitude and basically having nothing else to do. Because if I, if I went back home, I was just going to have to work. Honestly, that was the biggest blessing that I had. That's what <laughs> created the hunger. Yeah. You know, and through hunger, that's, that's when you learn. And, you know, I, I think we do our kids a disservice by catering to them and giving them too much. I think uh, it's good for people to be hungry. Yeah, I agree with that That's 100%. Got to get them off the, uh, what were you talking about in that video? Keeping your streak alive, right? <laughs> Snapchat. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah. You were explaining it, and I was like, that's about how I would explain it. Like, I don't I don't get it, but you do it once a day with the same bruise, keeping it streak alive. That's it. <laughs> Billy, I'm curious on what, um, you know, all these years um, – you know, hunting in Alaska and sheep hunting specifically, um, we've had these conversations on our podcast before. Like, where, where is this, where is this heading? As as you know, lifelong Alaskans, we've seen the kish, the king fishery die off, the clam digging die off, king crab, king crab now this year. And so, I'm just curious on what someone as yourself has been in the field so long. Like, what do you feel as if the where the doll sheep are at as far as like longevity? Well, I don't know. I mean, definitely demand is super high. Uh, supply seems to be pretty low. Um, obviously, the full curl law, I mean, I think that's pretty dang good. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I hear conflicting reports of what the full curl, um, you know, enforcement, how that works. Um, obviously, as a guide, particularly an out of stater, you know, um, you know, I don't, I don't probably get, uh, I don't know if sympathy is the right word, but I don't have, there's probably not a lot of appreciation amongst the, uh, Alaska residents for someone like myself. Um, but I know that's one thing that I personally kind of strive for is to take, um, 10 year old rams. Um, you know, sometimes, I mean, I, I've taken them younger. I've taken one that was seven at one, at one time. Um, but that was kind of a, um, yeah, it was kind of all we had and Hunter wanted and I, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel I could turn them down. I mean, it was definitely a full curl sheet, but at any rate, um, yeah, I, I, I have very mixed, mixed feelings about it. I know I, I kind of always figure holding to that 10 year Ram, um, benchmark. Um, I don't know if that's maybe a self justification thing, but I, you know, I think you're, at that point, particularly, you're shaving that margin of that ram's natural life pretty darn close at that point. Um, but yeah, I, I, the price of, of them for the guided hunts is, I, I would say, is probably going to be over $50,000 within a couple of years. You know, everything, everything in nature, everything in life cycles. And we're definitely seeing a cycle there. I don't know what the, the right answer um, is. And I don't know what we're going to what we're going to see there. Um, but yeah, the success is, seems to be going down. The value seems to be going up. The, the sheep hunting in general, I get why, why it's getting wildly popular. But um, just the supply is low and, and the demand is high. Uh, I guess yeah. that's, that's do, I don't know what the right answer that's is. That's a really great way to put it. Something's got to break. Do you yeah. feel like there's something they could do, like maybe no more over-the-counter harvest tags? It's all draw. Like, do you, do you see an avenue for them to 
maybe slow this down a little? Well, you know, like where I guide, um, it's a a federal refuge. So there, you know, the outfitter, there's one outfitter per area and basically they are limited on tags from the outfitter perspective. So, and that's, I've never guided for sheep in state land. I've heard a lot of stories about how competitive it is. And of course you guys probably know, generally speaking on the state land, there's, you know, you'll have multiple outfitters in an area. And in a lot of those areas, there is no limit to the number of rams they can harvest. I mean, that's kind of where the eight, eight year rule obviously helps. Um, so I guess I've never really seen that firsthand. I've never really experienced, uh, areas with too much pressure back where I, where I guide, um, back in the, uh, oh, I guess it would have been the early or mid two thousands. There was quite a bit of pressure there. And, uh, but that just kind of seemed to peter itself out at one point. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I don't have enough experience over a wide uh, variety and areas of the state. I think they probably speak to it too much, you know, to have uh, any valuable input, I would say. I, I don't know what, what the right answer is and how you do that. You know, it's kind of like the 50-inch rule for moose, you yeah. know. You're, you're getting them to a pretty um, um, old age class or, or relatively old. Uh, you know, some, some bulls can be fairly young, I think, and hit that 58 inch mark. But obviously what you're shooting for is to give them a fair bit of maturity. And with these winter kills, I don't know if we're, uh, if, if that has much to do with, um, hunting pressure. I suspect it, it certainly doesn't help. But when you hear of like what I saw in the area where we guided over a two year, uh, period. I figured we lost 80% of the herd and sure enough, the biologist came in and, mm-hmm. and then a couple of years later, and that's exactly what they said. 80% of the herd died off. Before yeah. that, we had sheep everywhere. And mm-hmm. so, you know, when I look like at the caribou herds, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm no biologist, but from what I've seen of some of these caribou herds, the best thing you can do once they really notice them exploding is shoot cows. I know that's not popular, <laughs> to be mm-hmm. heard but i mean it yep. seems to me i mean all the old air taxi guys out of iliamna said yeah when when that Mulchatna herd exploded the hills were covered in white they looked like they were covered in snow because there was so much lichen well of mm-hmm. course that lichen takes you know 10 decades if not centuries to grow well it just stands to reason you get a big you know a great food source that you're just going to get an onslaught of an explosion in population and I think almost the only way to really sustain them would be to hunt them. I know they were shooting two bulls at one time, and maybe they were shooting more um, as well. But I don't know. I saw that a little bit on the north side of the Brooks Range there for several years. We had a pretty good dip in the herd there. And it, and I remember that that the hills when I first went there, were there was a lot of white. You know, there was a lot of lichen. And then all of a sudden, they were just brown. And then there was no caribou there. So I don't know for caribou anyway. I think I think sometimes kind of like the old adage with coyotes. As long as you're you hunt the coyotes, you'll always have coyotes. It almost seems to be kind of what what little bit I've observed in caribou in a short amount of time. Don't get me wrong, but to get back to your point, I don't know what the right answer is with sheep. Uh, and then all those different areas are different. Um, like I said, the federal lands that I'm familiar with, those are managed pretty darn tight. Um, you know, in the areas where I've guided, we've always pretty well maintained about a 10 year average 
um, you know, throughout the years, some, some years more like nine, other years 11. Um, but we can control that a little bit better than, than you can on the state land. You know, from a guiding standpoint, I think a lot of guys like that idea of having, you know, few or limited guides in an area, but, you know, that's kind of a whole nother ball of wax. And from a uh, resident standpoint, you know, I, I, I guess I really couldn't speak to it. I guess I kind of see resident side. Um, I also see the, obviously the side of having opportunities from, for, uh, guys from the lower 48 to come up and hunt. It's, it's good for commerce. Um, but I don't know what the right answer is. That's, that's a big ball of worms and that's probably a, a weekend discussion with a lot of angry individuals. Yeah. 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 Well, you, well, you did mention the, the, that the demand is high and, um, I am, I am of the opinion that the popularity um, of sheep hunting has increased a lot um, through social media and, and, and videos and commercialization of the Just entire cultural, of the hunting culture and industry. Do you, do you feel that that's a part of it or, or what's your opinion there? 100%. I have, uh, you know, I kind of have, I don't know if I, I have mixed emotions about it, but I have like conflicting thoughts of the, um, you know, these sheep organizations, I get it. I, I think their, their objective is good. Um, but yeah, it, I, I just don't know. I don't know what, what is right with it. Um, I, I don't know. It's, yeah. uh, it, it's brought, um, you know, sheep hunting when with technology, you know, 30, 40 years ago, sheep hunting was a very rare thing. It's just something people didn't even really think about. And now there's almost like a, a sex appeal, if you will, to it, that it's kind of like the creme de la creme, which it kind of is. You know, I, don't, I can't blame anybody who'd want to go sheep hunting because it's pretty dang cool, right? Um, but, but I don't know. I, I suppose the money kind of creates from a, from a, uh, a non-resident standpoint, it kind of creates a little bit of an exclusivity thing. But you got a lot of young guys that somehow they're they're bucking up the money and they're doing it while they're young and maybe that's a generational thing too. You know, you look at the guys, the sixty seven year old, the baby boomer types, you know, they were raised in pretty hard times. They didn't spend money, you know, not not many guys would spend money on things that weren't necessary. And now, you know, the young twenty, thirty somethings basically their outlook their outlook on life is Credit. You know, hey, there's more of it printed <laughs> yeah. every day, so let's go spend it. Pay so, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. You know, I want one thing that I will say is this: I think I think we're going to see this cycle. I'd say we're we already are. Um, you know, when you're when you're in a hunt and you're in a tough spot in life, people's uh, motives are revealed. And if your motive, and I can see it in hunters pretty quick, I can spot it. You know, anybody that's guided for a while, been around people in general you'll spot people's motives pretty fast. And I'll notice that in about day two or three or four, you know, when hunting's tough, the guys that I really enjoy hunting with, they're the same on day 10 as they are day one, whether they get one or not. For the guy whose motives are, you know, probably a little, what I would consider to be a little bit off, about day two or three, you can kind of notice in his tone of, what his motives are that he's, he's getting a little bit upset. You know, he's here, he's here to have a Ram on the wall. And I'm, I, I don't really, you know, I, I get it. I get it. I'm not the one writing the check, but at the end of the day, are you here to kill a sheep or are you here to sheep hunt? 
Mm. And I, I would say that might be one thing that I, if, if I were to pick something, I would say maybe the age goes to nine. Maybe the age goes to 10. I, I mean, oh. it, it's going to create the opportunity yeah. to still be out there and hunt because I know there's guys, you know, I'll get hunters that'll call me and they'll say, Hey, well, boy, you know, $25,000 for a moose hunt or whatever. Well, is that, is that guaranteed? Uh, <laughs> if I'm feeling kind of cocky and I feel the guy out a little bit or if I, mm. I don't know, I don't say it too often, like but every been. once in a while, the, the mood is just right. And I'll say, well, when you want to go fishing, do you go to a grocery store and buy a can of tuna? <laughs> They'll kind of look at me all queer. And, you know, it's, it's about the adventure and the experience and the hunt. I mean, honestly, I, I wouldn't even want to go on a hunt and have have it be 100%. I mean, yeah. I mean, if that guy said that I mean, to me, I would just be like, oh, I'm sorry, I misread that. It's actually $35,000. Yeah. Like, that price would keep going up yeah. till he straightened that talk yeah. out. <laughs> so is there any... I, I had a good lesson at a sports show. The first, I think it was the first sports show I ever went to was the FBI National Convention. Uh, this outfitter's name is Larry Rivers. And I mean, Larry Rivers is uh, very well known in the guiding industry. He's an amazing guy. He's kind of a man before his time. And uh, he was charging, I don't know, he had a very good area on the Alaska Peninsula. And uh, this hunter came up to him and he said, well, you're, you're charging $17,000 for your brown bear hunt. And everybody else hunting around you is charging $15,000. Why is that? And Larry just looks at him with a cold, stone cold straight face. And he says, that's because my competitors know the value of their product. Ooh. And the hunter just kind of stood there dumbfounded, and that's the way Larry was. And it was like, guys either ripped Good up their answer. checkbook and wrote yeah. a check, or they just turned and they walked away. <laughs> so, yeah, that that would be my yeah. that would honestly, probably be my yeah. take. If uh, if things if things got you know continue on the sheep front, would be to do that. You know, kind of like that. Uh, you know, that open area in Montana, you know, where you, they just close, they have a registration or whatever. They shoot so many sheep and then the season's closed. It gives, it gives guys the opportunity is maybe it's something like that. You know, obviously you probably still have to have the broomed law, but I don't know, maybe, yeah, I, I don't know how, how you really get past full curl, you know, how you'd get something like that, but just maybe somehow to uh, increase increase the age you know that i, I like minimum, i like the age i like the thin. age thing over full curl i like actually never even heard that option do it's like not a, it's not an option i mean but I, I would like it to just them remove the full curl being legal and just be strictly age like nine years mm. or older but then, then oh that that'd be too tough or you do like a that hierarchy yeah it's trying like to educate curl, eight years old properly do like you, you don't think it I mean, it properly educating the public on like how to count rings and the yeah, whole thing, and the, yeah, it kind of messes up. And the, for, the, the, and like, like theory, can, the nine and the guides crown, can pull and, it off. Yeah, like Billy could probably be the most like valuable argument for saying that this works if a guide. Yeah, like, it yeah. almost have to be like a you'd have to do a registered guide. Trip and then, years, yeah, yeah. like if I'm somebody, like Billy said it'd be too hard to do that. Like it's too, it'd be too, too muddled. Well, Bill, you've been out there a long time. Was there any natural forces you feel are taking the population down? I mean, you've been doing it, what, 25 years now? Yeah. And I don't know. I, honestly, I think 
25 years was really just a blip on the radar. I, I wouldn't know. Again, I think you'd have to have bush pilots, guys that are, I mean, I just see a little microcosm yeah. of micro ecosystem that I'm familiar with that a sheep hunt in. Uh, but yeah, the age thing, I, I always figured, I think I've shot one ram on age in, in all the mm. years that I've guided and it was 10. And that was always my, that was always my shtick. I wasn't going to shoot a ram on age unless I was confident it was 10. Um, so that, that would probably help, you know, and maybe that full curl law, you know, maybe that's got to be beefed up and, and maybe be a little bit more strict with that. Uh, guys, you know, people are always going to flirt with, um, you know, margins there. I don't know. That, that might help that save a few sheep. It's not going to solve the problem. No, but, yeah, uh, you're right about that. It's, it's that's definitely one. not going to solve the problem. So what's your, um, like, what's your typical Alaska schedule? Um, cause it sounds like you're not only doing sheep, right? You're doing other, other guiding. And so what's like an average, uh, schedule you got going on up here? Yeah. Um, well, I've cut back quite a bit doing, I've got uh, young kids. My daughters are 11 and 12. So I'm kind of trying to stay home more for them that and I'm a little, getting a little bit older and sleeping on the ground for three months straight ain't what it used to be. Um, so I used to, I used to guide, you know, guide hunters anywhere from, you know, rough, usually about. 95 to 110 days out of the year um you know between spring bear uh spring brown bear i do some on kodiak peninsula um and then sheep in august caribou grizzly bear moose in september and then brown bear again in, in uh, october now i'm kind of doing about 60 days out of the year i did my last moose hunt a uh, year before last or at least for the foreseeable future so now i'm just doing brown bear grizzly bear doll sheep and caribou so that kind of just frees me up a little bit, not uh, not guiding moose in September, so I'm not gone for quite so long. Nice, nice. Like, it, so when uh, you get a hunter that comes with you, like, what's what's something that they need to be prepared for? Is there like a speech that happens or <laughs> check? Well, uh, I figure figured the master Jesus would always speak in parables. I always figure out the mark of a good outfitter. I worked for a good one for a bunch of years. His name was Ralph Miller. He was a hillbilly from uh, West Virginia, came up to Alaska in the military. And so this, what he would do, the hunters didn't even realize it. I'd say a few of them maybe did, but honestly, I think most of them didn't. Just he would tell them stories. And every story had an anecdote, and every story would kind of lead, uh, uh, basically teach the hunter a lesson. You know, And he would kind of tell a story about a what, what he would call a peckerhead. Uh, <laughs> Ralph would call him a peckerhead, a peckerhead client. And, and what the hunters never realized is there was probably a little bit of that peckerhead client in each and every one of them. And he was basically using that peckerhead to give, uh, to, to be kind of an example of, of, for the hunters of what not to do. He'd tell the story about the guy who, you know, wasn't safe with his rifle or the guy that didn't listen to his guide or the guy that wanted to give up on day eight. And here he shot the biggest ram of the season on the last afternoon, you know? So I would say that's that's one thing that that I learned is, you know, you gotta you gotta keep the guys mentally engaged because mm. so basically the 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 spirit works the mind, the mind works the body, and okay, the body's going to start shutting down first, and if the spirit's strong, it'll keep the mind engaged. But if the spirit gets beat, you're screwed, yeah. right? And once once a guy is is mentally shut down. If he, if he doesn't have the spirit to keep going, if you can't keep his will engaged, once he shuts down, there's almost no bringing him back. Yeah, and so he's quick. I'd say that's the big, that's a tough part for a guide 
and and also that 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 only comes with time as a guide and experience because a young guy they can they can they can work those clients to death and by day two or three they just want to go home because their feet are hurting so bad they're so wore out and so you got to have a discernment it's just like anything you got to know when it's time to push when it's time to rest you got to be just like wild animal you know they'll you know a lot of and, and and as for an inexperienced guy like nature is black and white okay when 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 a moose is is expel expelling more calories than he's receiving eating he knows it and boom he just lays down and he relaxes and he waits for a shift in the weather. You know, we as human beings, particularly in the real world, if you're guiding a CEO, I can tell you what the CEO is going to say. The CEO is going to say, well, we're not going to shoot anything here from the tent. And what they don't realize is, well, if we go walking up into the snow, up into the mountains, if there's any sheep up there, all we're going to do is chase them away. What we need to do is just sit here and rest, wait for a break in the weather, and wait until, you know, nature allows us, and then we go. And so, yeah, it's, it's kind of a, as a guide, you, you kind of walk a tightrope of, you know, keeping them happy, keeping them engaged. One of the common things is like what we'll call a, a political move. And so you'll be in a camp and you're not seeing much and the hunter starts complaining. And a lot of times the outfitter will move him just to keep him happy, even though, you know, just so he, he can't say, oh, well, you know, we didn't get one. I should have moved. Yeah, we didn't you know try. We didn't try anything else. So you're just you're scenery. appeasing the hunter. So exactly. And so if you so were, yeah, you got to find somebody good and you got to trust them. If you were gonna give advice to someone who you know was 19 year old, wanting to do what you did, get into guiding, like how do they vet clients? I guess when they get in, they really don't even have that opportunity. But no, down yet. the road, like how do you vet assist. clients enough so you can avoid those? Pecker heads. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, good, good, very good question. Uh, well, I'd say it's just like anything; it comes with time. I can usually, I, I figure, I can pick them out and within five sentences, five sentences, probably to a ninety-five percent success rate. Uh, mm. First, 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 red. It's kind of like dating; it's like a bunch of red flags. That's true. You know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> if she uh, if she starts talking about all of her ex boyfriends and making and uh, uh, relationships gone bad, you know, and the before the first drink is down, you know, you probably better turn and run. You know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So if they start talking about if they start telling you what they've killed, you know, ah, mm. yeah, I shot a you know a three twenty bull elk. I shot a something up 400 inch this right off the bat i mean for some people that might be what they want um for me i guess i believe that birds of a feather flock together um that's probably not the bird that i want to fly with so yeah. that's that's right off the bat um you know success i'll, I'll uh, one one big thing that i always try to do with everything in life is uh under promise and over deliver mm. um you know so if, if you can do that and if you can undersell something and uh, they still want to go. You probably got a pretty good, pretty good dude. You know, you kind of spell out worst case scenarios rather than <laughs> tell them, you know, dream scenarios. Um, you know, that's one thing I've learned with like working with outfitters that have booking agents sell their hunts. A lot of times, those hunts are misrepresented. You know, they're like, "Well, I'm here for a 65 inch moose." Like, okay, but what will you really shoot? You know, yeah, that's good. Everybody wants a 65. Yeah, they're here, but. You know, if you, you can't, I said, oh, I tell guys all the time, you can shoot a 65 inch moose, but you got to be willing to go home without one. 
So if you're willing to go home without one, let's hang with it. Let's hold out for a 65 inch move. Mm. If not, you better shoot the first 60 you see. You know, and if he's mm. high 50s, you probably better shoot him. So I guess my advice for 19 year old kids take what you can get. Uh, people aren't worried about, you know, let's say if you're applying for a job or you want to be a packer, don't have your mom call me or call an outfitter, uh, <laughs> write a handwritten letter, and uh, people aren't as interested about what you know as they are what you're willing to do. And uh, that'd be my best advice for a 19-year-old kid. Yeah, if you're, if, you're, if you're willing to do whatever it takes and if you're willing to work hard, people will take notice of that, particularly in this day and age, and doors will open for you. Yep, I tell my kids religiously, like, if you're going to have one talent, just be the hardest worker in the room. Mm. Yep. I, I always show them the worst, and if they like that, well, it only gets better from there. Like, <laughs> yeah. Girlfriends, doesn't matter. I'm like, I'm like you, you want to be single in today's day? Go show them the worst, and then it only gets prettier from there, right? Yep, there you go. <laughs> uh, Billy, What's if you had to choose one game meet for the rest of your life, what would it be? Well, I just had some bison the other day. Actually, we just yeah, had some. It wasn't it wasn't wild, but uh, it was really good. Uh, dull sheep's pretty good. Um, I've never I've had muskox burger. It was pretty good, really good. Uh, I like moose. Um, yeah, dull sheep would probably be the best that I've had. Nice. Yeah, and I, I haven't had a ton. I mean, I've had a fair bit, but dull sheep's pretty much at the top of the list for me. So I have a question. Have you really not, you've guided this long in Alaska and you haven't taken a big game animal out of here? Is that true? No, I had an opportunity, yeah. I had an opportunity a couple of years ago. I was filming a wolf. We were in an area where you didn't need a tag and I didn't have a client. And uh, yeah, I called this wolf into within, I don't know, about 100 yards and I was filming it the whole time. And, and all of a sudden he kind of started going away and I just realized, man, I could have shot that thing. <laughs> and uh yeah i don't know i really didn't want to i just figured well if i shoot it i'm not going to get the not going to get as much footage and i don't know yeah i really don't have a burning desire to do it anymore if i went up there maybe someday if there, if there was an animal that i would want to hunt I, and I, I honestly it wouldn't be i wouldn't be surprised if i would pass it up i mean if it was some if it was like 12 years old at least I don't even think I would consider shooting it unless it was 12 years old. But, um, of course, if it was an 11-year-old and it was 43 inches or something, I'd probably <laughs> shoot it. But I don't know. I want mine, I want mine going on my own doll sheep hunt, maybe. So, so that's maybe what it would be if you finally did it. I think it's unbelievable that you have guided here that long. I mean, that's that makes – I almost don't want you to hunt anything here now because <laughs> it's like – it's Keep so much better. Alive. It's yeah. an unbelievable story. Yeah, it's yeah, my street. It's a great story. Yeah, that's yeah. Back yeah. to the street. Well, <laughs> I, I think, um, isn't that the ultimate culmination of, of the guide experience? Is to to fill someone else's tank with that? Like that fills Billy's tank. That's what you were saying earlier. He, yeah, like it it's just better for him to, you know, it's like, it's like coaches in anything. By the way, Billy, did you ever wrestle? Quick question. Yeah. Okay. So I, saw, I read your profile. Every boy from looked, Wisconsin wrestling. Yeah. Oh, I, I saw you were a wrestler, and I, I saw you follow some wrestling thing, and I was like, man, it's like I never wanted to wrestle, and I got forced into it, and I learned so much about myself. And then, you know, I see 
in your videos like you just kind of take that out into the wild and then also your religion and everything like connecting with nature but that struggle it's just you against nature when you're out there and then of course you have your client you got to keep alive at some point right but you know <laughs> for the most part like that whole connection you know wrestling and everything and yeah it's pretty cool yeah yeah you got to be honest with yourself you know when you're out there on the mat yeah. you know it's a, what the truth is revealed and i had an old outfitter from uh, idaho told me nature is the great equalizer and that's what i love about it because whatever whatever you did to prepare for that wrestling match i didn't even wrestle in high school to be honest i wrestled all through in junior high and i played basketball but um um whatever you did you know the truth is revealed there you can you can jaw all you want you can trash talk and you can look <laughs> at the guy and stare at him like you're some chimpanzee and try to intimidate him but as soon as the whistle blows the it's truth, on. The truth is going to come out. Yeah. Yeah. You versus him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, sure. I, we appreciate you coming on with us, and I have one more question before we let let you go. But anyone that is uh, wondering where to get the DVDs um, on Instagram, it's the Modern Day Mountain Man. Um, the website is BillyMallsAdventures.com. That's I'm assuming that's where everyone can get your videos. Um, before we let you go, the last question I have is: What makes Alaska so special? unforgiving <laughs> mm, great yeah. answer great it's, it's answer. a land of extremes Man. there's extreme it highs up, it? there's extreme lows <clears throat> and what everybody wants to show and what everybody wants everybody else to see and what everybody else wants in life are the mountaintop experiences the life isn't lived on the mountaintop <laughs> life is lived in the valley yes it is <laughs> mm. Yes, well it said. is. Well up and down, up and down. That's one of my favorite quotes of all time. Well, yeah. well, well said, Billy. Man, thanks a lot for coming on today, uh, tonight, and uh, giving us some of your time, brother. All right, my pleasure, fellas. Appreciate it. Go pack, go. Good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Happy New Year, Billy. Good luck next all season. Right, thanks, guys. Thank you. Have Thank you, night. Billy. Thank Bye. you. <laughs> Tailored Restoration, 24-hour emergency home services, helping Alaskans restore their dreams since 1972. Services include fire, water, mold, post-emergency cleaning, repair, and remodeling. Tailored has an emergency response number with trained professionals available to help you at any time, day or night. Give them a call in Anchorage, Eagle River, Matsu, or Fairbanks. Make an appointment today at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. Since 2008, Serrano's is Anchorage's own new generation of Old Cocina. Their menu showcases the passion and love of their rich heritage and unique family recipes that have been passed down through the generations. Serrano's goal is to embrace and display trad flavors using the best ingredients that are available. They focus on making everything from scratch daily. In-house menu includes handcrafted corn tortillas, salsas, carne asada, and chorizo. But don't take their word for it. Experience their tradition and sabor for yourself. Locations on Tudor and Northern Lights, both with new tequila bars. Check out their daily specials at serranosmexicangrill.com.
The Connoisseur Lounge, located in the heart of Palmer, Alaska. The Connoisseur Lounge is Palmer's first locally owned and operated cannabis retailer. Their beautiful store is located at 226 Evergreen Avenue. The Connoisseur Lounge has exclusive cannabis products such as Snowcap Romance, Aurora Haze, Super Glue, and one of our favorites, Sugar Cookies. And if you're not into the flower, the connoisseur can hook you up with edibles, vape supplies, and a ton of CBD options for all your health and inflammation needs. Check out their daily deals at theconnoisseurlounge.net, or even better, stop by the lounge today. Remember, you must be 21 years of age to enter their store. Sorry, Dan, I mean, snap at you there. Like, like, uh, oh, big yeah, thanks for on. Billy to, for coming on, um, yeah. sharing his time with us, and and thank you for the listeners for uh, absorbing that and um, you know something different. We normally like to have the person in here, but man, what yeah. a good job to Billy! Thank you for his time. Man, he spoke so well. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like he was prepared for our questions, and he had zero preparation, and we didn't tell him anything we we're going to ask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was just ready for it, man. He's used to that free form when you watch his videos. Yeah, on YouTube, he just goes. He he is a man who is very, very comfortable in his skin, man. Yeah. As far as, like, who he is, what he represents, and just how he carries himself. Um, well, it's inspiring, too, man. I think when, you're, man, when like, you're, like, a truth seeker and a truth teller, yeah, you, are, you just naturally are because you're not hiding anything. Yeah. So how could yeah. you not be comfortable? You know what I mean? Like, when you – that's, the, like, I'm not a religious person, but I, I do love that about – people that are devout Mm -hmm. and they carry that faith like uh, you know and you're obviously going to get the people who aren't with anything right yeah Yeah. but when you meet someone like that who you can tell like it's important to him and it makes him who he is and he's like he's respectable yeah because it may it is guiding him to be a great person yeah whatever whether you agree with yeah. How he carries himself, what he does, what he oh, yeah. says, what he speaks. You cannot deny his conviction and just what he yeah. is on this like planet. Well, and he believes in it. If you, yeah, I, were, I was like, watching fully, the, the bow versus gun, and he's like, unless you're gonna go take the bow, go up the mountain or wherever you're going and shoot that animal, get within 40 yards and leave your gun behind, you obviously don't want to shoot this with a bow or whatever or use the bow. He's like, you either go. You're writing a story, or with, you don't. Yeah. Oh, if you want something with a bow, you you only take your bow. Yeah, yeah. You're writing there's a no, story. There's no way about that it. That is not what you really want it to be. If you choose to bring both, yeah. You well, know, it's you have to accept like you're gonna go home without something, right? Most likely, and that's what he said by too, taking this approach. You're going. You know about like, that, Chad? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know what's really cool, like Chad. We've most shared, likely is we, we've shared this story not, lots of times. You gotta man. go a little further than most likely. Oh, he was like, saying like one percent to like two or three, and then you get good, and maybe it's a five percent chance. Like it's yeah, like it's crazy. W- like I have a perfect story with Chad. We told this story many times, like. We went on a sheep hunt together, and I brought my rifle, like, just because I brought my rifle and a tag, but I wasn't going to get a sheep. In my mind, we were going to get Chad a sheep. He forgot his ammunition for his rifle. So he brought the rifle. He went through the No, listen. He went through the motions of, like, the, like, I was going to carry his rifle, but then when he he realized he didn't have it, he's like, well, fuck, I'm just, like, I'm just going to take this thing with a bow or nothing. Yeah. It was like the great equalizer, dude. It was like 
Well, that's an easy decision. Well, I, I forgot that, though, because of the you fact know? that, like, I brought my rifle just because we hadn't hunted together. And I've had experiences with people where, like, they get a malfunction. So I wanted my rifle there just in case something happened with yeah, your and, rifle. And, and I, wasn't, I wasn't saying that you were like, oh, well, I might go to switch to the rifle. Because right. you had that chance. Yeah. But you that, had my but, perfectly good operating rifle to take a ram, and you said no. Yeah, no, no, definitely. I wanted. And that's what I, I knew for bow, sure. I was like, oh shit! Like, it that's was... why I forgot the ammo. That's I'm defending myself on that. Oh, yeah. Well, 2023 <laughs> is the year, dude. Because I wasn't really into the it's the bow year. I just for I like I normally would. I, I mean, I'm pretty like checklist. Like, yeah. but, but you know, we got into distance on a couple rams the day two days before we we took one that was bow range. Yeah, and they weren't they weren't legal. But close. we were there. Like he could have, he could have had an opportunity. Like if they were legal. If they were legal. Yeah. So yeah. to me, that was. I thought that was the most, like, successful day. Was getting in that close. I got it on film. Yeah, we're like twenty yards away. Dude, we got right yeah. up on him. I mean, it was like I went down. I threw the rock. Popped him up. He's up above. We went through all the motions of actually doing the act. Yeah. We just didn't actually like he didn't draw the, the and take ant. one and so but it was it was cool man. On top was, of that they never they never sent it us. No, that's really? the whole thing. Like so we, we didn't through, we didn't blow them out. Like they saw us. I mean like they, we stared right at us. We standing blew, up. We purposely mm -hmm. blew but them up. But they didn't blow out wow. because they never sent it us. That's crazy. So we so we every we did everything hundred percent right. They just weren't legal. So to the whole yeah. like um accepting, like if you're gonna do it. Again, I said earlier in the show, conviction. Leave your rifle in the safe. Homie brings a rifle because you yeah. never know. You might have a bear charge. You might have a lot of weird right. things go I mean, down. Protection. You know, protection. And so, um, and just having, I mean, what if something goes wrong with the bow? Like, yeah. what if the a string yeah. breaks or something you can't fix? Like, you, you got to still have a way to still perform the hunt. Right. And, and so, there's a lot of different things, but. That's why I keep a blow dart army. <laughs> <laughs> one last ditch effort. Switchblade. You know, yeah. I just do the frogs. Kids. One of those frogs from Columbia. I have five marbles <laughs> and a slingshot <laughs> right to the eyeball. A bunch of frozen paintballs just in his pocket. Done. Like, you know. <laughs> no, well, like you know, Billy was telling a story on his on his YouTube, and he was saying like the you know if you if you don't leave it then you might get conflicted. You might say, oh, but I have that option to get the gun right there. No, it's oh, like... Oh, you'll use that option. You're, yeah. You're, you're, like, this human nature to hit the easy button yeah. when you can. Like, well, you're going to do it. He had a guy do it. To and go home shot it, it. And it was like a seven-year-old, like, not, you know, legal or whatever. And the guy just kind of, he like... They doubled up in front of each other or something, shot it. And, and it's because the guy was like, Bo, no, go this, go that. And he just was conflicted and... Too much thought process. Your mind is your own worst enemy, especially like you watch the alone shows. And so once you get alone in the woods mm. and you're wet and you're cold and you haven't showered in a month and a half, like he's talking about, it's just crazy. Yeah. You, your mind descends into madness. And he's like those guys he was telling us about. It's like all yeah. of a sudden you got to be mentally tough. Yeah. It is 100%. Sheep hunting is 100% mental. Yeah. I mean, fitness, fitness just makes like the whole sheep shape thing like that just helps you can. Yeah, you can go further. It doesn't 100% make you um, more successful. Yeah. I mean, I preach it because I, I, I'm just preaching the fact that like what you can control is 
so small anyway that you might as well like work hard at all the things you can control so like fitness to me is like i'm i'm not like i don't i was late onset hunter right i think yeah. everyone was right here. yeah I've only like been. None of yeah. us did it as kids. I mean, I did it as kids, I mean, but then I, but you I took a break really. in your twenties where you're hunting other things. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just think you you, you took <laughs> that was a, high school. You took a, like a new approach at like your downtown the seriousness hunting. and level yeah. two. Yeah, you're at the pile. pioneer <laughs> hunting. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, hard it to hunt in the dark with all those hunters. beers behind the bar. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing PBRs, hitting girls. <laughs> but what I mean is that. Uh, I don't have like because because you haven't been doing it since you were nineteen guiding like he is yeah like I don't have that knowledge that vast knowledge of like what an predicting what animals are gonna do where they're gonna be what they're I'm still learning that's why I love it so much is like I'm mm -hmm. lear I'm learning mm -hmm. so Soaking much every year because it's like I'm I'm learning what they eat I'm learning patterns and like stuff like that now but I don't so like. I got to rely on fitness because <laughs> if I'm la like, if I'm lacking the other skills, I'm going to hone whatever I can to the best. So I'm going to shoot a lot and I'm going to try and be in shape and that's what I can control. So, so when we cross that glacier and we're going for this sheep and going up the mountain, you're going to carry somebody out of a crevasse. You may not shoot it, but you'll carry the guy out the crevasse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. You, you got to know your role, right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. I, I wasn't even supposed to go to Kilimanjaro, okay? Like, it was someone else, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll go. <laughs> you, you fell ass backwards into that? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, just went up near point a bunch of times, all this hiking in the snow, whatever. Here we go. Let's wow. do it. So Perfect. Sometimes Some things just, are meant to be like that. Well, that's what I mean, because it's mental. Yeah, and I'm not going to be the fastest guy up that mountain, but I'll make it. Not a race, anyway. Yeah. Ting, have you mountain hunted? No, not really, no. I mean, not not like Let's that. get into it sounds that. Sounds like Let's you do it, though. Uh, he's been going caribou hunting with Johnson been and caribou doing some hunting. stuff. I've learned yeah. a lot. Like Who, Who's Johnson? Uh, uh, our buddy plays goalie for is us. That a first yeah, actually, number year. one fan. Hold on, time out. Number one subscriber on our YouTube channel. Oh, Johnson? Yeah? Yes. Is Johnson oh. Number first? one. And actually, I made him the hoodie. The number one subscriber hoodie. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the reason why that we made Johnson. the high vis. Oh, okay. nice. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. love it. Yeah, yeah. Johnson is great, and like, and it's funny because we go out, and Johnson has a certain personality, you know, and so he's I'm a goalie. A real he's a hockey goalie. Oh, goalies, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Like, they kind of just operate a little different. They're like yeah. bass players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, good comparison. Or, um, yeah, good comparison. Just different What's pitchers. I just watched pitchers, that, uh, yep, the pitchers. dirt motley crew. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally different. They're just different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Our, one of our buddies with the high school markers. There's just yeah. There's a whole breed. He's a bass player for here's <laughs> H three. Oh, yeah. Saw one today. Yeah. Love funny. him though. You love, love those guys. You love those guys. Why are you still doing that? <laughs> yeah just it's crazy it's crazy what you learn out there like you were saying like you know i'm starting to get the skills of like where they go what they do and he was talking about like how's you know that animal's gonna put that track on the riverbed and it's like cool once you start learning oh trapping's things. a whole nother level they do that up in dawson they trap and it's like impressive the stuff that the stories they tell it's like going out doing that oh we know i this. mean it it makes sense that he made that transition. Like, if you're trapping yeah. as a young kid, like, mm. I mean, trappers, like, you, like, that is an intimate knowledge of animals. Yeah. 
Like shooting a moose at 300 yards is like some people are like, oh, that's a feat. No, dude. Placing yeah. a thing somewhere that you know something is going to step. <laughs> yeah. One step yeah. will be in the single yeah, the spot. Like right. that five inch diameter. Inch that yeah. is well, like, like intimate knowledge of animals and how yeah. the woods work. Well, you'll love, you'll love this story. So I didn't have a hunting rifle until like three years ago or two years ago. And this, so my girlfriend's going to go hunt moose with her uh, uncle up in Fairbanks, right? And like you said, tree stand, shot it, no problem, whatever. I take her to the range. All the hunters are going. It's like you know, August, whatever. I teach her how to shoot with my AK-47. <laughs> <laughs> she goes out and puts three holes in this, you know, moose because she shot it and she's waiting. And uncle's like, shoot it again. Boom, shoots it again. Still sitting there. Like, All right, one more. Knocks it down. But like you said. 300 yards, 200 yards, 150 yards, no problem. But, like, you guys are going up to the top of a mountain, no scent, throwing a rock, it's standing up. You know, you guys are getting – that's just very intimate knowledge of what you're hunting and respect for that animal. Being in the moment, too. I want to talk about the shooting range because I feel like it's intimidating. I feel as if, like – because I'm about to start taking my son – to go and learn to shoot hopefully he gets his tag or whatever but even as i go and i've and i like to go by myself because it's intimidating i like to go in there by myself be in my zone put your head things on and like get your whole rhythm and there's all these dudes and you might have this dude next to you shooting at 800 or whatever just blowing your whole thing off it's like tough to go in there right there and it's just shells like yeah man you see these dudes you're like man that dude is legit and you go to kick and the thing but i just feel like man there should be some it's intimidating am i wrong no 100 percent. yeah it is and and i'm it's like a pressure pressure there's a lot of pressure and i feel like man there should be like a kid's time or a kid's day or a kid, something because I'm gonna take my son over there. and He's gonna see all these dudes. They're just like, dude. What did what he say? What he what he peckerheads? Is that what he calls? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The well, guy, yeah. You know how he's avoiding them in the <laughs> guiding world. Yeah, there's a lot of them at the range. Oh, yeah. oh 100%, oh, there's dude. so many of them. I mean, it's tactical, and it's only gotten worse. Yeah. Oh, it and is. that's why I go yeah, to Birchwood because yeah. now it's private. Yeah. So maybe is that the move then? Yeah, because I don't. I'm uncom- I'm uncomfortable well, now at like at, at Rabbit Creek. Yes, and they have a they have a range officer who is like they're pretty Nazi like around there. Like they're all, they're all over it, which I do like that. Well, he's a yeah, nice yeah, guy. He's actually at the same time. I was down there. Though. I was down there with um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he should listen to this then. <laughs> when <laughs> he I was, know, he know above all else, he knows. Yeah. Well, exactly I see. Well, it's like about. sometimes they're getting on people, and sometimes they're not. Like I seen him really getting on a guy who was uh, he he had a SBR, so he had a like they're selling them as pistols, right? Like they're getting around the whole short barrel rifle mm-hmm. thing by having a what they call an arm brace, and it's not a. Oh, that was the dude next to me. Okay, dude. so so you have that. So I seen <laughs> I seen him shit, getting dude. onto a guy who's shooting that one handed. <laughs> yes, and they're like, you can't do that. We can't have you shooting a carbine one-handed. And he's like, it's a pistol. And the guy's right, literally. But then, and so, and he's really riding this guy to the point, like, the dude's getting so mad that he wants to fight him. 
And I'm like, we're at a gun range, fellas. Like, this <laughs> yeah. is not the place for a fight because some dumbass friend or you is going to yeah. like, pull a gun. Like, this is, I was like, hey, man, just, I, you you know you're arguing a fact that's like a gray area. You know what you're doing. Yeah. Like, I just jumped in. I was like, it's not worth it. Just put it on your shoulder and shoot it, man. Like, yeah. or go somewhere to a gravel pit. Like, yeah, this yes, is, this is a the place sanctioned place by fishing game. Yeah. But there then was. I was there another time and helping Z Wes's buddy Zach sight in his rifle, and next to us, we got a, I got a dude who is fucking Instagramming while he's shooting his pistol, <laughs> like sideways a gangster. Oh, yeah, shit. one hundred percent with his dad behind him. Uh, he's, a, he's a young kid. He's probably nineteen, twenty, twenty-one. I guess yeah. got to be twenty-one. He had a pistol, and yeah. I'm just like. I'm like, Zach, man, is this thing sided in? Because, like, I'm ready to go. And same thing. It was hunting season, you know, so right. it's packed. Yeah, oh my God. yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, I love Birchwood. Yeah. I love Birchwood. The so it's not the same now because I mean, Birchwood had the same feel, but without Birchwood the fucking guy is, is there. It's that's, a membership yeah. thing now. It's okay. private. That's I know, but when you, just, you, when you still go, go there, there, it's not as, like, packed as it no. was before. I mean, it gets packed, but it's so yeah. big, and they, they've done so much work. They're making it so nice. So it's worth it. That's where yes. my buddy takes his kid. So my my thing to, to you is, as a kid that didn't grow up around guns a lot, take him out to the woods, find a spot, get him used to the bang bang and the shoulder and the whole thing. So at least they're comfortable with the weapon itself as mm. the kick and the whatever. Because I mean, I took my girlfriend to Rabbit Creek. The whole thing was full. She was in the stand-up thing, too, with the AK, like standing up in that little blind thing or whatever. So get them used to the sound, the recoil, the whatever, and the rules. And then when they go to Birchwood or Rabbit Creek or whatever, they're a little bit more comfortable with what's about to happen yeah. and what's going to happen around them. And they can focus more on the shooting than, you know, my AK throw shells like 25 feet and they were landing yeah. in the back of well, our I just feel it's just the us. most unnatural <laughs> place ago, but, yeah. Yeah. to go learn yeah. to shoot. It's the most unnatural place to go. Yeah. There's just banging well, going all around there's difficult. dudes like literally like in arm's length from you it's yeah. madness it's madness dude and then some dude was shooting the number rock and the guy had to like get oh. on his ass and he yeah. told him like three times finally so had to kick his ass that's out. what i mean they have kick a guy him out, they, huh? he's shooting the number the rocks you know the, the yardage number, oh he's trying to shoot the rocks he's well, shooting yardage rocks the lanes yeah the yeah they like they have them so you yeah. know what lane yeah. you're in yeah. and yeah. I've like, very rarely like have I ever seen an asshole like th that level. I've seen it a couple the, times the, there, the and that's why they have. That's they why their range the guy has to be. The range officer has to be so like that, and they, they you got to wait for them to run the time to switch. Yeah, right. Birchwood. Yeah, everyone knows the rules. The range officers drive around in like side by side, and they just like sit back there and make sure that everyone is following the rules, and then you just are talking to the dudes next to you and it's like yeah hey are we casual. clear are we hot are we clear are we hot are you guys is it cool if i go down and change my targets I and mean, you don't have to wait that 30 minutes yeah. well i've been to birchwood before they made it uh private or whatever but i just think there's a lot of room for improvement in these shooting ranges yeah some privacy um i don't know they well, need there's more a lot of, them. of room they for improvement in gun more, owners yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah that's who they should you know what i mean they like need to just, like, so I, I wouldn't be opposed if it was like you were required to take a class. Totally. 
Oh, I'm with, I'm with you on that. Like, it's like a driver's mm-hmm. license. You got to have it provisional, the thing. You got to have a gun license. You got to have a license to ride or shred, boys. You know? <laughs> or a license to go to the shooting range. Like, before you even yeah, step out like there, certified. watch this video. Yeah. Take yeah, a little three-question quiz and then go out there. It's I mean, like, I, I understand a lot of it and, and, like, the constitutional right of it and, and all that. But, yeah. like, the freedom of it. Everyone just doesn't take responsibility and ownership in it and like people are like oh my dad taught me how to shoot and it's like and you see it and you're just like i mean it's like your buddy sweeps you with the barrel and you're like okay dude that's once yeah Mm. let's strike one the second time i'm gonna yell at you the third time you're getting hit in the throat yeah and you're done (laughs) i'm gonna grab and i'm taking that gun away and we're done done for the day it's like yeah yeah. i honestly don't even want to take him to the range to shoot i want to just go out somewhere it's better. The snow that's, machine or I mean, that's a, a thing, and just and just like this is because this is how it's going to be. It's going to be quiet. Yeah, it's going to be you and your thoughts. It's going to be the animal. Yeah, there's not going to be twenty dudes on well, your left and four dudes on your right. Cars honking. Honestly, each other, yeah. the gun the, the gun range way. is after you've had some experience because yeah. if you're trying to teach your kid how to like okay you've gone you've gone through the safety and the fundamentals and how to work the gun and all that and now and now you now you're literally legitimately to a point where you want to you you want the kid to learn to aim yeah the gun range is hard for a kid because big guns are going off and like that's spooking you yep. and you're like so yep. it, you're going to develop bad habits with your trigger pull and yep. closing your eyes wincing whatever uh, it's yeah. better to just you know, do on a camping trip. Yeah. 360, we could totally set up. Like, next year, I will bring, some, I will bring steel targets out there, yeah. and we can run a whole gun course with all those kids. Like, legit, like, I will run it like Ron. Fun activity. I will run it like Ron. I like also think that his whole speech and everything. I love that idea. I also think that it should, like, pr- not private. Well, private would be awesome. Privatized ranges, um, which you can do. I know you can do. But, like, you can rent it. Like, yeah. hey, man, I'm going to rent. Yeah, the range or this section yeah. of the range, like the I, range. I so believe- it's like me and all my kids and yeah, his kids yeah. and all kids. So yeah. we're gonna go so and we're gonna actually go and, and set it up. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. not like just randos shooting all kind of crazy. Well, and they things. got those new uh, shooting headphones. So I went when me and Johnson went hunting. We took another guy with us, and he's ex-military, but he had the headphones that you can talk to each other. You can hear what's going on. It sound dampening. Yeah, and I'm sitting there like, you good? You, good? you know, yelling, and he's like. I can hear you. Yeah. <laughs> no need like, to yell. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, a lot of that is. I'll like, pipe down. Sorry. A lot of that's in place to improve the experience at the range. Yeah. And I, I kind of have like a love hate. <clears throat> I kind of have a love hate, um, because I think if you go, if you continue to go, you you start to develop a um, some level of tolerance to that chaos that's there. Yeah. Um, you get comfortable with what their rules and. And do's and don'ts are, which is just 100% safety. That's all it is. That's all they care about. Yeah. Are some of those guys maybe over the top in terms of their position and how that whole thing works? Yeah, uh, sure, probably. There's always going to be those guys and gals in those roles or whatever. But in general, the the message there is like safety, really safe. Not ethics. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I do appreciate that. I've had a lot of experience with my daughter at the range, and I figured out like days of the week where it's not so crazy right. times of the day where there's like the range master is not even actually running the range. It's just like you and two other dudes. Well, all summer is the best. Like, that's good. 
Well, August so, so is not when you I, want to take your kids. What, what no. I want to, August wanna, 29th. or your girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What what I want to say to to the um, benefit of both arguments because everything you guys said is absolutely correct. The pressure, how it makes you feel, it can be a negative environment. Actually, a lot of the times, in a negative negative experience with a firearm, which sucks because they're already very dangerous. They're already make you feel a certain way. They already make you feel uncomfortable if you're yeah. if you're competent in what you're doing with a firearm. You feel the pressure of like what it means and what it is and why it should be respected. So it's 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 kind of a negative place uh, as a lot of experiences can be when it's not safe and and it's not comfortable. But you can work your way to that with that range. By timing it out and, 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 you know, just, I feel like they know when you roll in the way you walk in, where you set your stuff, you come in, you got your stuff in, you know, you, you, you're carrying yourself a certain way. I feel like they can yeah. tell like, for yeah. sure. okay, he's a guy's a shooter. Safe guy. Yep. Not. Yep. And you just roll right. through there and you find your lane and you're like two people away and right. just like, you can just sit there for two hours and have a good experience and like find those moments. So it's not not attainable at our local shooting, especially yeah. Rabbit Creek. So I want to shed a good light. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like they're yeah. very very important. You know, yeah, and, I, so and I would never want it to go away. I'm not away. defending it. I'm just saying to like yeah. look at both sides of the spectrum of what the experience can be. I, I, I say don't give up. Well, with, if what? you go out and buy real quick, if you go out and buy a firearm and you yeah. go through the motions and and you want to learn how to shoot it responsibly and safely and ethically and all those things like keep going and, and persevere and, and learn how to get through it because that also there is some experiences that can be had there when it oh. comes to the pressure of like, actually when right. you use the firearm to take an animal in the field, like right. the more repetitions you have, Oh yeah, are always going to be better than if that's not. your option. So, like, if right. that's your yes. option, I'll yes. absolutely yep. go there rather than not mm-hmm. shoot right. it. Yep, hundred percent. Like yep. my, my and, and to be clear, like what I was talking about those those two horrible experiences there, those were both in August. <laughs> yeah, like when, <laughs> when, when and, it's and, it's and it was because the I was there with a friend who's be. like waits to the last minute to sight in their rifle. <laughs> yeah, both times. What's and his name? <laughs> it wasn't Zach was, just, Zach was confirming zero he was having some problems with the I mean, stroke or something but my thought on the other one thing, I won't name my thought on the whole thing is like when they closed the river and it was kids only for like I don't know an hour or two one Tuesday out of the month or first Tuesday or something yeah. like that where it's only kids you know what to expect. You got the parents. Maybe you have a couple of range guys so that they have a kids only time. Um, no, I'm saying well, this they is what I'm proposing is yeah. they should have a kids, kids only, only time hour or something. Yeah. Or two hours in the week. It's two hours on a Tuesday or a mo- whatever the slowest time in the range is, so yep. you're not impeding other people's times. And it says, hey, this is the two hours we're going to let kids only with their parents come in and shoot rifles only. That way, there's no pistols. There's no shotguns going off. Yeah, just like those, that. and then there's a pistols only night. Maybe that's the second Tuesday in the month, or wh- whatever the case may be, and then shotguns for Clay and all that other stuff later, so that you only have the one weapon going off. And I learned more in the concealed weapon permit class. Same with the abate motorcycle deal when i bought a motorcycle than i did ever and i, I totally think they should get licenses sure hunter zed or just a i class, feel maybe. like just a class. i feel like you 
I guess I'm just going to say it. I, I've done the Hunter's Ed class twice with my daughter and, my, and done it myself. Yeah. And it's just like, why aren't we all having to do this to get a license? Anna had to do it to go it's, shoot that moose. It's kind, of, it's kind of redundant. You do it, to, it, it, do it, if you're born after 86, I think you do. Yeah. She had oh, to that's go, true. She had I think it's true. required now. We're just, you're, we're just old. Yeah. Well, that's very true. Oh, good point. <laughs> we're just, we I'm didn't glad have you reminded to, me. I think they do now. And what I totally forgot. What I totally forgot, and this solves that problem at Rabbit for Creek, the, for the youth is program. Rabbit Creek has, and I just never use it. If you look over to the right, like farther to the right from where the ranges are and the house, that is a rimfire only range. Mm. And there, you can go over there with the sun and shoot yeah. 22s all day and mm. not be bothered and it not be intimidating and it'll be way quieter. By the yeah, I totally well, he's ready to go to the that. next. I mean, we've been shooting twenty two. He's been yeah. shooting that, but it's yeah. like now he's it's ready like to shoot a three hundred eight. We're ready to shoot like something else, you know. Yeah. So it's like yeah. uh, we gotta, you know, we want to yeah. be safe about it. Then you gotta take him to Fallujah. Well, you <laughs> know, you know what another, you know, what another option is get in the chopper, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Camp three sixty. <laughs> Bring the sling well, and the whole thing. Well, we're so blessed to go out to Gary's and enjoy that property. He's got the shooting range, and we take the yep. kids. That's a good. That's true. You go right down there, back the truck up. But I'm just saying in general, like in general, like, man, there's so much room for improvement for that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. You know? There is. There and is. And we never really talked about it, but I just, like, even myself as a grown man, and I've been hunting and shooting for a long time, like, I want to go by myself because I'm so intimidated. I want to be so focused right. on just what I got to do. Yeah, you don't want to have and, conversation. And I don't want to hang out, dude. I'm trying to go in there. And just get it done. And do work. And be out. But yeah, it yeah. should be the spot where you're like, man, I'm going to come spend a few some hours out here yeah. and shoot yeah, this. And take your time. Your this. Yeah. Take your time. Let the barrel cool. But it's that. not that vibe. <laughs> it's definitely not. No. No, it's madness. But it, yeah. I mean, you know, and guns, guns should remain intimidating. Yeah. That's but true. I think That's that for to, listeners yeah. out there, if, if guns are new to you or you're, you're getting one, because like, you know, COVID caused like the most gun purchases in like history by oh. far. Yep. It it's um, it cures COVID. <laughs> it does. Like in Africa, they just sprayed it away. Yeah. It's gone. A little gunpowder smoke. <laughs> gunpowder smoke yeah. does cure some stuff. It's like, it's like Jaeger. Yeah. But in the air. So yeah. You get vaccinated? Yeah. But what I was going to say is if, yeah. if this is new Africa. to you and you're, you're going to get into it, like. You guys don't wear a mask? Take we'll a little it away. In. We just, just pray take, a, take a lesson. Yeah, take a basic pistol, basic carbine courses. Like, they're not expensive. You're going to get a lot of shooting. They're going to run you through stuff like learning how to deal with malfunctions and stuff. You're going to learn so much more in one of those courses than you are from your dad, your grandpa. I don't care if he's a cop. I don't yeah. care if he's, unless he is a firearms instructor, <laughs> yeah. you will learn more yeah. from one of the like you just will you just will and it's not someone you know and I, that's one of the things like it goes back to like you know like someone at this point in my life for the last 15 years someone's like hey teach me how to snowboard i'm like take three lessons yeah and then i'll teach you totally because you're not gonna listen to me because i'm your homie or i'm your boyfriend or whatever yeah. at yeah. the time you know you won't listen to me you're just gonna get mad at me tell me to fuck off when i'm like get up mm-hmm but you ain't going to tell an instructor that. Yeah. yeah. And it's the same thing with firearm. Like mm-hmm. go go get some instruction from someone who you one on one you will be dialed in and you will be paying attention. That's also, a good idea for a kid too absolutely. because as as anything with a kid when you the son the dad or the mom oh, is trying to teach a kid like he's going to listen better 
sometimes. Yeah. To the teacher. Especially the safety the stuff and that stuff. And yeah. then the nuances, aiming, putting your placing placing your finger right on the trigger, stuff like that. Yeah. You can teach that, you know? Well, that's yeah, kind of the, the road we led with um, my kids getting into bow hunting. Like, you know, we went up there to full curl, and, and we'll take some guys up there to um, Screaming Eagle. My other son, I'm going to take them over there. Yeah. And, like, I'm not going to teach you nothing. I obviously don't know. I want you to go with the expert. Yeah. Learn. Then I'm going to go learn, and then we're going to go learn together. Because then, going to do it. because the other thing is like, you know, if you talk to my boy Ron, who like this is what he does, like this is job now. He teaches firearms, and he will tell you, hands down, like give me a brand new shooter over anything. Yep. Mm. Because Breaking they don't have any that. habits that I have to break, mm. or they're not going to be like, well, that man, that's not that's a dumb way to do it. You know, yeah. and it might, and you know, there's Clean different slate. ways to do stuff, but, mm-hmm. and that's why, that's why, like how you said, uh, your girl, like put three right in the like same <laughs> spot on a moose, like girls can shoot. They're patient. They're patient. Boy. They pay calm. attention yep. and patient they, and, and they learn, they just, they just learn that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like totally. my wife, my wife will like touching. Yeah, I know my mom, one of her students took him out, took her out to Rabbit Creek and was, oh, we're going to shoot like a 44 mag or whatever, 45. And she put this grouping like this and she's 78, 77 now. I mean, but back in the, just boom like this. And he's like, oh man, (laughs) it's like, don't make you mad. And she's (laughs) not a gun person, doesn't own a gun, none of this. Just picked it up and just very calm. They take the information well, they breathe well, and they just boom. Yeah. Yeah. They wait for it. The guys are like anticipating yeah, like, and yeah. doing All the thing. Yeah. It's it's manly like, shit. Yeah. Guns yeah. manly. Yeah. Turning it sideways like that guy you were talking Yanking about. That Pushing trigger. the bullets. You got to push the bullets. Yeah, girls fast. are girls are scared, so they squeeze, 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 squeeze. Surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dudes, like getting a surprise on a trigger pull with the dude that you're <laughs> no, trying to like, teach is like painful. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He's hitting, missing everything. You can just see him closing his eye. Like, <laughs> yeah, show him a video of himself. Yeah. For him to be like, I'm not doing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like that Let's commercial now where they're like, should we review the tape? Like, yeah. dad, dad's the like, challenge. You, you did scream at that spider, yeah. dad. And challenge he's like, no, I didn't. He's like, yeah. review the tape. Yeah. That's the only way you get yeah. like your friends. Like, like a look girl. what you're doing, dude. This is you. Yeah. <laughs> Yanking the yeah. trigger like as hard as you can. I love that one. He's like, I'm sorry you had to relive that. And he screams like a little girl in it. And you didn't know he did it. Well, it's like what you said earlier. I, I, my wife wants to learn how to shoot pistol, and I'm mm. like, I'm not teaching you. Yeah, I'm oh. not teaching you because I, I'm not. Take class. I'm not yeah. trained. I, yeah. I, I I have casually fired my pistols, not in any way that's like right. tactical or any sort of like process. I just can hit some shit about 15, 20 yards away. And I feel good about that. But, like, to teach her and the safety and the you know, she needs to go through that, and then we'll go shoot together, and then we can have yeah. that time. For, for you, what I would do is I would – so this goes to the kids, too, but, like, give them a present, like the birthday, the Christmas, Valentine, mm-hmm. whatever holiday you want to yeah. do. Give it to them as, like, a gift certificate to the, you know, yeah. shooting guy so that they have skin in the game. 
It's their money to do what they want to do. Yeah, the that'd, shooting be a, guy? that'd be a great name, right? <laughs> Skin in the game. But when we did the concealed weapon permit thing, there was a bunch of guys, girls, kids, and whatever. And they teach them, like, self-defense, pull, shoot, don't hesitate, this, that. So there's a lot more things you learn. Mm. Like, when I bought a motorcycle, I had to be 25. I had to take the A-bait, A-bait Alaska course. I said, otherwise, I'm not riding it. And I did it, and I learned a lot about. Yeah. And these gun guys... They live and breathe guns. They know all the nuances of stuff that you don't know anything about. They know the recoil, this, that, the port, the heritage, everything. They'll teach you how to clean the thing there the whole night. And you're bringing your own weapon right. to it. And they're teaching to you these things with. as a professional. You know? You're not yeah. taking learn shit from your dad. Learn so or much. Your, Even yeah. if you're an experienced you know. shooter. Uh, yeah, I, I want to sure. go. Like, I'm excited yeah. for him because I want to go to the classes. Yeah. I want to go to the Hunter's Ed. I want to go to the, like, shooting dude to show oh, yeah. him it's and me. It's great. Info. Just how it was dude. at the boat place. He's, like, shooting him, and then he's like, can I be next? <laughs> can you show me now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to try. Yeah. Yeah. Me too, me too. <laughs> yeah. I know. They're like, square the shoulders, do the new style, not the old. Yeah. I will say the most gangster thing when I was at the range the last time, of course, it's like August, you know. Right before we're going to go on sure. the hunt, the actual day before. <laughs> the worst time ever. <laughs> and it's just packed, and there's the dude with the freaking thing with the arm. What would you call that? It's a it's a brace. That's how they're getting away with calling that a pistol okay. instead and of this a dude, short-barreled like, rifle. You can just tell, like, this is the guy. He's got, like, 18 guns out there. He's just going to blast him. He's out there all day. Yeah. And I come in, it's the only one open is next to him, of course. <laughs> I got a hundred bucks he had cargo pants on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Last hour of the sure. day. And a tank top. And a beard. And Do a you beard. Have, you Sorry. Have a cage in the no, I was in the right I was on the right where it <laughs> no, wasn't even a cage. <laughs> but then but the most gangster thing I saw was this there's this dad that comes in and I'm like, just checking this dude out. He's like waiting for an open spot. And then um open spot goes next so it's me and then there's the dude with the brace and then there's a <laughs> spot next to him and the dad like calls the kid like he's even phone call and i'm just like oh man what's going on here the kid comes out dude he's wearing his tights and his cross-country ski boots nice. okay og gangster comes down lays down the pat the mat like doesn't even use the thing yeah. gets on the ground he's a biathlete gets up dad's like you're good Boom, they left. By yeah. athlete. By athlete. Two minutes, dude. Yeah. Just came in. Kid just sat down. You can tell his like, stance. Yep. And I'm just watching him. He's got his tights and his, and his ski boots on, his customer oh, yeah. skis. This is little stance. <laughs> what did the tactical dude do? <laughs> leave? <laughs> did he leave too? <laughs> you Shamed him? No, that yeah. was my cue. I was like, all right, well, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on this guy. Here. I did yeah. shame him. Yeah. <laughs> No, that yeah. Got to practice how you play, you know. Like oh, it was dude. He just came right out. He just walked up, brought his bag. Like he just came, boom, boom, laid down the mat real quick. Yeah, done. It was out, dude. I mean, I wear the most uncomfortable shit when I go to the uh, shooting range because, like, Johnson will be like in his like nice, comfy stuff, sweatpants, whatever. You know what I mean? I'm in the most like bulky whatever because I'm like, this is worst case scenario. (laughs) Like I'm shooting the winner with like fifty below. You should shoot. You should practice like that. Yeah. You know, if you're going winter caribou hunting and that's your deal, dude, come out there with the parka. Just only. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Just throwing a rifle up on your shoulder. Depending on your gear, man, it uh, changes uh, how far the scope is away. It all. I almost yeah. feel like they could make it like 
as a, as an improvement like just make natural things where like oh there's a tree here so this is where you're gonna put your <laughs> thing on the tree and you shoot from the tree or there's a rock here yeah that's called from the three rock. gun bro they got that <laughs> they have that's that? the competition though because oh, i never yeah. used the little sighting thing because i was like i'm not gonna have this out there like i want to just be as natural as possible oh, like a you're talking about a sled a sled, sled, yeah, yeah, the yeah. lead yeah. sled or all that stuff. Yeah. Like, I get it to like sighting nah. a new one or whatever. I try to tell, I try to convince. But I'm just like, how could it be that? more yeah, I, I natural? That years ago. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. You want it to be natural. You should yeah. be. You should be leaning up against a tree, or there's like some brush in the way. I mean, bag, you know? bags, yeah. at, bags at the most, like sandbags or whatever. Yes. Use yeah. that. Yeah. Don't the sled. What this? My problem with the sled is that how are you going to learn to hand manage recoil if you don't shoot? feeling exactly. the recoil well yeah. you just sight in the rifle well, even just the that, backpack like having the room shooting. to be like because that's what you're mostly shooting with is your backpack and you're looking for a spot to like yeah. put your backpack on yeah you know mm -hmm. what i'm saying and i think that's natural but that could be like just like thinking crazy you know yeah. like could you have like a tree as like spot yeah. number four is the tree you know what i'm saying <laughs> spot number five is the rock you definitely, hey man there's some unreal shit. ranges out there that offer a lot of crazy things stuff. like yeah. that yeah they got, cool. they got the little shack at the far right. I'm sure they could build you a little tree fort over there to just. Because, I mean, we usually do it. I usually do. It's I just like four, old four wheeler or something. <laughs> of it, you know what yeah. I mean? Piece of trash out there. I mean, even, even in the, uh, the, like the Winter Strong thing, like when you get to the rifle part of it, like everyone gets five shots on steel. And it's, uh, you have to, you have to pick like who, are, who you're on your team. Like someone has to shoot standing. Someone has to shoot kneeling. Oh, good. Someone shoots prone, and then someone shoots like on a barricade, and uh, and it's different ranges. Like, and then someone has to shoot prone long range, like mm. five hundred yards with a twenty, all twenty twos. See, that's what I was curious yeah. about because when I went, and I'm not like an avid shooter, I got a hunting rifle, and I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to do off the bag because that's what I listened to you guys talking about and Jack and these other guys who, sh you know, shoot all the time. And I'm like, okay, shooting the bag. Then I'm, like, sitting up, like, okay, maybe I'm on a rock or something and I got to beat some trees or grass or whatever. And then I shoot standing up, try and, you know, once you kind of get sighted and comfy, then I'm like, oh, okay, now let's make it uncomfortable and yeah. see if I can still hit it, you know. Offhand, yeah. 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 I mean, once it's on, then you should do that stuff. That's yeah. what I do. Yeah, yeah. totally. Like, well, sit down, you... do the knee thing, try different angles, because once you get out there and you're actually going to shoot something, yeah. you're not going to be on a table in a chair. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that's a hundred heater. Unless you go <laughs> yeah. to the train station. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't. Because we I shot don't, everything off the cooler. I feel like I don't shoot enough standing up. Probably, well, and actually not, seeing how accurate I am. I, I'm not shooting big game standing up anyway. I mean, Unless I shot it's a like couple deer. moose standing up, but it was really close, dude. Yeah. It yeah. was like undeniably, like you can, you know, yeah. if I'm shooting, if I'm yeah. shooting with a scope, if I'm shooting a scoped rifle, I don't have any intention of shooting that thing standing up unless it's in self-defense. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not hunting like that. Like if, if, if I got put in a position where like I'm having to take my shot standing up, I fucked up. <laughs> I mean, to get to that position. It can a, happen yeah. for sure. You can yeah. bump stuff and yeah. that could definitely or, happen. Or get a moose real close. Yeah. But or for the bear. most part, yeah, yeah. No. Well, that's Jeez. different. I have to do that. But I saw some of those videos that uh, Billy had online and some other stuff. You know, and there's these giant bears chart. I'm like, you're gonna shoot that with a bow. Like, they, look just, <laughs> they look just like that. Yeah, like, and there actually, was one a little meaner looking than that. Actually, there was a. I remember years up. ago seeing Ted Nugent going hunting, and this 
moose charge, huge moose, huge wreck. And the guy, I think it was a guide or somebody, shot it with a bow, hit it right in the chest, and that thing stopped full charge and, like, turned around. And, like, I was like, uh, and yeah, they showed the slow mo. Yeah. And I was like, that is impressive. Like, it Just stopped hold dead your in composure. Boom. Yep. Right. Yeah. It was super cool. I was like, what? I'm not yep. there yet. <laughs> yeah. I wish I was. But I'd be not. climbing a tree for sure. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just... Um, Pull out the 460. It's It was good conversation, because we don't really, like, brush the whole, like, firearm topic very often. Mm. Yeah. And it's controversial in our country and society and the whole yeah. shit. Um, you know, our, our level, my level, personally, I, you know, we're we're using them for what they were designed for. You know what I mean? Yeah. Up here and what we're doing. And Well, there's just so many people around now. I mean, back in the day, you know you know when you're yeah snowboarding skiing and doing whatever like you know you could go out to portage and shoot and do some stuff and some this and that and whatever mm. and yeah there's trash everywhere and that sucks you know no one gets paid to clean it up which i was talking about that on the mountain like why don't you just pay one guy out of all our fees one percent to clean up like and he just comes up and clean stuff boom or gets money for every piece he picks up whatever the case may be so he has incentive to get more Mm. You get one piece of trash, you get five bucks, whatever, U.S. or something, you know, which is a lot of money for them. But, you know, so we'd go to Portage. We'd go to, um, what's it, uh, Sutton, Jonesville Road. We'd go out there and mm -hmm. camp and hang out and shoot off some rounds. But now it's just there's so many people around everywhere, just like sheep hunting. Like, everything's become so popular and the areas have been so known all the apps and the trails and whatever you can't just go and pop a couple rounds off because you don't know who's on the other side of those woods yeah no mm -mm. you know it's just there's yeah. population density for the most part and people are getting out good on them for getting out yeah that's like, a lot of it the popularity side of it is that you mm -hmm. know have you guys run the um the uh the one at the end of uh oh no it's on uh, my list I of, uh, palmer Wassil or the old glen yeah, mod, the mod, road, mod road, mod road, mod road range. No, no, mm -mm. that's a great range. No, no uh, range master, hundred yards. Really beautiful facility. Oh, Very nice. quiet, right up against the mountain. I've yeah. never done it's that really one nice out setup. in Talkeetan either. Oh yeah, that's the long range. But right? I, but I, I met a girl that was shooting at um, Birchwood. She was teaching a guy actually long range shooting. He had a pretty nice rifle, and she had a she had a lab radar out there. So I asked her. A what? Lab radar? Yeah. So you can check your, like, speed and all, your, all that. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. cool. That's super cool. Yeah. That's uh, way advanced. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I'm on JV. But she uh, <laughs> <like> baseball bag. <laughs> talked to her for a second because I asked her if I Dude, could still running wood stock. I mean, come on, bro. Hey, man. <laughs> keeping a wood, baby. That shit is strong. It's like, <laughs> it's like hockey sticks. Like, oh, I'm still rocking the Sherwood. He's like, man, you got to get away. Like, I know you want to stay strong. Bro, the power's bend now, bro. They <laughs> oh, bend <yeah>. now. <laughs> There's flexes. They flex. That's yeah. what I meant. They flex, bro. <laughs> yeah. Added power. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Chad. But Sorry, I've, yeah. I've heard that range is great. And that, she was no, telling me a little so. bit about it. Is that the thousand yard one? The one in Birchwood or whatever? Uh, no, Birchwood goes to 300 um, okay. out there in Talkeetna. I think she said they, what did she say? 850? Okay. Maybe they are a thousand. That's cool though. They got the lab radar and everything. That's mm -hmm. that's sick. Getting into it. Dangy, what do you got coming for twenty twenty three hunts? 
Put in for the caribou? I just put in for the caribou. I need to put in for a few other stuff. And, like, you know, so we still got moose from when she shot that moose. So, you know, being a lifelong Alaskan, I try not to, like, take more than I'm going to actually use and eat. You know, like, if I do salmon, I'm like, okay, I got the jet boat. I got the nets. I'm like, I'll take my buddies and take them dipping and kids. And it's it's a fun experience for them to do it on top of biking into you know rivers or hiking in and fishing and doing all that kind of stuff but i try not to over not over harvest but just take more than i'm actually gonna use i'd rather run out mm. than have leftover f- ones you gotta or overstock yeah. Or- yeah we were talking me and jack were talking about this today just in other terms but basically it's better to like run out than it is to have excess and be like oh now what am i gonna do with this oh am i gonna gifted well, makes fire sale or gifts yeah and i used to do a lot more gifts and now i don't and you know i used to smoke a lot more fish and i don't and so hopefully 2023 i get more time that's what i'm trying to that's my goal this year get more time get out with the jet boat i'd like to do some more rafting you know kenai other things even if it's not on my raft or buy a raft or share a raft or whatever get out there more uh, do some more bike trips. I'd like to do some, I got a fat bike, so I'd like to do fat bike, uh, camping or resurrection or going mm. devil's Creek and rent that cabin or do, I actually saw yeah. when I was out there, I saw two dudes on fat bikes with a kid hauler and they came in and we saw a ton of caribou tracks hiking through them. And they came in and they were like, Hey, you guys see a caribou around here? And it's two dudes on the fat bike. They post up on this little hill and they like set camp. And then they were just biking up and down, going everywhere, like bow hunting. Yep. For caribou. Oh, and I was like, That's pretty sick. Like, yeah. Yeah. Way back. I mean, it's only like 12 miles or something into that cabin, I believe. Yeah, I've another, never been Another down. way of doing it, though. Man. Back there. Yeah. And you're getting exercise. You're out. You know, it's about the ride. You're having fun. Yeah, you're getting scenery. Ride. It's beautiful it's out there. It's got to be fucking hard, huh? I don't and know. Some of those poles in the mud and the. I haven't fat biked down E-bike. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hope you're ready for the ride out because the charge is only going to last on the way in. It's like, <laughs> True. it's like how a trailer or so here. Two thousand. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> totally. You get them big fold out solar panels. <laughs> yeah, you can work around it, man. You can oh work yeah. Around it. God, I remember that. I had that solar radio, and it was like just terribles oh yeah, yeah. Whatever, that, man they got a long way to go with that shit. yeah gideon had like that big panel thing that he flipped out and it actually charged something the rest was yeah. terrible it was like man but they well, got some cool stuff now what can solar. you tell us about river madness oh man the river madness. you guys heard of river madness i have oh dude you have have you heard of River Madness? Well, like as a condition or as like the name of a race? Like Cannonball Run? It's a, or like it's a you condition. You develop it over time. Yeah. Like you start yeah. going crazy? Yeah. yeah. Have you been on an extended river trip? Mm-hmm. Rafting? Floating? Canoeing? Canoeing? Yeah. Like tent? Like, f- like five five four, five days? Okay, so five you might experience like five canoes. Like oh, 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 yeah. I witnessed it then. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know it was called that. This is yeah. high school. Oh, this yeah. was a class for high school. Oh, wilderness yeah, really? recreation. Oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did the entire Moose River five days. Well, well you probably saw some river. As, as, Billy, as Billy said, nature is the equalizer. I saw. Oh, yeah. I did see some river madness. It will reveal selection. the madness. <laughs> Explain uh, for the listeners, Tim, yeah, what, wanna, wanna what, what river madness oh, man, is like, and what it's how, how we get there. You know, Where does it start? 
what happens in the middle and then how does it like so i'll set it up for you like this so so as we've all been talking you know today about like you know expectation you go out and it's like oh i'm gonna go out into the great beyond i'm gonna do this and it's gonna be epic and you see all our cool photos of like me and daniel and jack and we're catching fish and bows and big kings and the <laughs> bend and the thing and sunny days and it's like you go out there and it's like 35 degrees and raining and just you're getting your ass kicked and those are the first two days or whatever the case may be and then like you're finally getting down okay it's getting sunny and this and that whatever and then like two days in i give people like two two and a half days that's what he said two yeah. by the third day you know yeah you know like, what you're doing well there's no social media maybe you got a movie on your phone maybe you got a little solitaire some game or you listen to podcasts or do whatever you do the vape pen died yeah but oh yeah or you ate the wrong cookies or you ate the wrong cookies. <laughs> so yeah so breakfast cookies one year this poor girl french chick ate two of kenji's cookies for breakfast oh, shit. and we were posted no up there idea for no not idea. an experience zero. edible no zero oh and we, we were like seven eight hours at this 50, island caribou probably 50 waiting. gram now that i look back oh yeah meltdown just hit a 50 yeah yeah <laughs> so what did we do as friends who had barely known this person but now she's married to our friend so great person so we take two cookies each ourselves and decide to also descend into madness <laughs> did you thought that that was gonna help her no <laughs> we'll just so, ride it out together <laughs> now that i look back at it and i talk about it openly it's really we were trying to be selfish and kill time ourselves like we were swimming and showering running around and she melting down yeah and we had oh. i think we had 21 people on that trip that, that was year. a huge one huge that was probably the biggest trip we ever yeah did. and so we're sitting there and what's funny is when we landed there you know i had this watch that tells barometric pressure and temperature and all this stuff whatever and they always give me shit for it oh yeah what's the weather like you know? You're like so i'm sitting dropping. there and i look over and i see this giant like uh, you know took aviation classes and weather and all this stuff so i see this giant plume go up and i'm like that shit's not right and so <laughs> like that was a huge upward motion right like, and i'm like okay and it starts coming and coming and that spot i think it was the same trip there was wind that just whipped through there and it was you, beautiful you it was sunny laying down the tents right it was like so that was this year this okay. last year with my girlfriend we had to run and my like i'm grabbing the tent and my girlfriend's going to get the other tent that is cartwheeling into the river as it's blowing the shitter tent over everything. I mean, it's... And it was all anchored ripping. down. Yeah. Yeah, but it's on a sandbar. So let's yeah, be yeah, real. Yeah, we yeah. didn't it's, have, like, the twisty... Yeah, how anchored is it? Right. Like, there's no actual anchors. So let's be real. Um, so, yeah. Anyways, I see this motion. I have this video still on my little cool pics, whatever. And it's... You look at everyone's, the watch and the numbers yeah. just going down. 21 people. And everyone's sitting there and they're like... And I'm putting rain pants on, like rubber pants. This. I grab two beers and I sit in a chair. And they're like, oh, you think it's going to rain, Tangy? Torrential downpour. There's 20 people under the tent. I pan around. There's all the rafts. I look over and here's one cook tent with 20 motherfuckers under it. Just huddling. And I'm just drinking beer in the video like yeah it's my gonna ring yeah. and it was over in like 20 my minutes watch. yeah <laughs> and it was over in like 20 minutes yeah. was, so anyways we got great weather after that and then those crazy winds came through for like two seconds it was just it's like a horror show it was weird it's a weird spot for weather yeah that whole place is well, so the whole like madness 
From what I gather in these, like, conversations about it, it's like just the toll it takes on you. So and then there's like maybe a breaking point. So like where oh, where you so like show your ass or you lose your cool or right. you, oh, you fall just, in the river. Like me. Just I mean, there's like yeah. be realize you could touch bottom. A, a, <laughs> <laughs> there's probably a number of different yeah. like outcomes that were right. from river so, madness. But like so as we build up to river it's like madness, it just breaks a human being. So down. we're in like day two or three. <laughs> we're at the caribou thing. You're catching tons of grayling. Everyone's you know girls. Everyone, everyone's wieners hard, right? You've been catching shit tons of fish. The weather is good you're having fun you're paddleboarding you're doing these things you maybe eat some wrong cookies and then you go to the falls right and that's kind of the build up now you go to the build up of the falls and you're like oh, i'm gonna go down you know falls if you've never been you're like man it's gonna be cool i'm gonna go down this hydraulic you walk the river what, what river are you guys on? go canada okay and so you're planning the route and so if you've never been it is a little sketch like oh man <laughs> even if you've been a lot you're yeah. still like oh, let's look at this here right yeah. yeah right and so like there's you know the cliff on the right and all the stuff and so you're like oh, okay i better you know do this right and whatever so you're cruising through that and then after that there's a really long day there's like a 10 12 hour day depending on how you do it and at the end you pass the weir on the gold canna and you end up at what we call the king hole this big bend <coughs> so now you go from I'm catching tons of fish. I'm doing this. And now it's the bow hunters time, right? And they're just bow fishing on all these rocks. You're going down. You're doing the thing. But it's a 12-hour day. And so for some people who are just not okay in their own mind, <laughs> start going, like, and, you know, I mean, you got infinite sunlight. So, like, there's no real, like. There's no oh, gauge shade. in time. There's no there's gauge. No. There's no gauge in time. Yeah. Have you watched that show where those guys kidnap each other and put them like out in the desert and other shit? They took this guy, this avid hunter, outdoorsy guy, and they took him and they put him in like Norway or Sweden or something, like above the Arctic Circle. Oh, I so he couldn't that. tell what time it what was. Time it because was. of the goddamn yeah. sunlight. And he's yeah. carrying around, this, he's a big, beefy man. He's carrying around this big ass shell thing, whatever it was. And that's what he used to float down the river. But like he couldn't tell what time it was. So he couldn't sleep. He couldn't get rhythm. And it messes with you. So these guys start descending into madness. So usually I either go way in the back or I go way in the front. And people and, get separated on that day. Right. And so you don't see people for a while. And so I do that because I get everyone asking me like, hey, where, you know, you've been on the river. Like, did we pass it? Is that it? We've passed the pull out. Are we there yet? Um, just, just want to get off this boat. No. Oh, that looks like a good place to camp. You mean with like the 40 horse flies and the pigtails and the shit and the bear? No. No. It's just like boulders. I'm like, they're just, I mean, they're just giving up, right? They're like, I will sleep on anything to like get out of this boat. Yeah, just get to where we're going. And you're, you're kind of soggy a little bit. But so one time, uh, uh, our buddy descended really dark into river madness, and he's like, he's he's like, I just can't take it anymore. And, the river, and my buddy CJ throws this beer at him, and it was like pretty much empty. It was a Coors Light or something, and it hits him right in the lip, and he's bleeding, and he just lets it bleed, and he's like, Damn, CJ's got the river madness. And the madness has got him now, and he's descended in, and like we're all laughing and we're drinking and having fun. I mean, hour 12, let's be real, right? You're oh, into some sodas or some weed or some, you're into something. Oh, you've done it all, dude. Like, yeah. you're you got up. hammered, sobered, ate lunch, got hammered again, yep. and you're back. Yep, yep. 
old uh, Tom passed out with a sandwich, woke up. Oh, there's a sandwich. Just starts eating it again. Like, like he's like micro napping without knowing he's micro napping, right? He's just, and just wakes up, keeps oaring, you know, that kind of shit happens, like, you know, and, and there's some spots where like, it's been pretty shallow some years and you're dragging. So now you're Ooh. working and you're dragging, you're sweating, kind of like uh, Toke Dawson, you're sweating, you don't even know it and you're losing those calories and you're starting to like really mentally descend, you know, and I think so those clear, blue, sunny, hot, hot oh, days worse makes the madness come out worse yeah. than the rain rain. Way days. worse. It just sucks the life right out of you. Oh, and oh just, dude. You're yeah. just uh, soaking it in. I'm a straight up hour, white like nine. Boy. It just like, turns uh, you into a fucking zombie. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, then you're sunburned and you're itching. Oh, all of it. And if there's no wind, thank God there's wind because if there wasn't, the bugs are on your ass and it can be really miserable. Sounds like a really fun experience, man. It actually is most of the time. Not all the time. <laughs> Ask Jack about when he took his lady and it like pissed rain the entire time and it was cold. Like, well, we went on one rain, 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 oh, rain. Oh, but that was that was the sand steaks. Yeah, the sand. Homeboy passed out cooking and dropped the sand or the steaks, the ribeyes in the sand, and we just rubbed them right off with the water <laughs> and sand steaks and just kept going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, you get to this really? place. Like you, so once you pass Trail the space. weir, you're like, okay, now we're like closer, but closer to them is like five minutes. It's like Anchorage, 15 minutes, any direction yeah. you're across town. No, you're like an hour, an hour and a half, two hours. And it's a long. Yeah. It's like the slowest <laughs> yeah. part. So one year we come around the corner. Daniel Rowe. Yeah. Daniel. So <laughs> well, we came around the corner and we got to this place and there's these big ass logs because a tree had fell over the hole. And so we get there first and, and I was like, dude, these logs, like these are just going to like cause snags and this and that. No one's going to move these things. So I put the straps on them and I start like towing them up like you know some like winter you know workout that i'm like oh i'm towing these things man you know it's like <laughs> man time so we pull the thing up and johnson i think had brought a chainsaw so we're bucking stuff and doing this and making this fire we make this fire that's like i have slow motion videos of it's like 25 feet up and it's on a big beach there's nothing to catch fire so daniel decides he's going to no that was my river madness yeah here, the first thing yeah. I so, so daniel is in to the, the madness <laughs> and i think you were doing something off the side of the boat or something no i i had a very long day <laughs> do you want to tell it or yeah well very long day me and my brother <laughs> and uh all of it dude the drunk the sober the shrooms the more the boom we're just having a great time and i'm like he's orin it's my turn to like fish and i'm like leaning on the back of the <laughs> on the back of the boat like because you just have to pee while you're moving dude there's no stopping every time you gotta yeah, pee, no, dude. No, no, no. i should be there all day so i'm like leaning on the side and he hits a rock and i just go right in dude just right into the water pants down <laughs> pants down full front flip dude so right into the water just like Ugh. and i just get up and i'm like i stand up and i'm like carlo's just laughing dude just laughing so hard and he's like i don't know 100 yards down and it's about to be a bend to the right and i'm like i gotta get back we're the last ones because we I th we we're the last ones right i think you were i think yeah. we we're in the, in the, yeah. in the last place I was like, there's no way I got to go. And I just go and I just dive in the river, dude. I was like, this is the only way. I dive in the river and I just start swimming, dude. Just 
not gonna catch it. I get to like three quarters of the way, and then I like, and I just like stand up. I'm like, oh, yeah. He's like, what's I could just walked across this whole time. <laughs> My brother's just laughing, dude, just laughing, and I just <sighs> finally make it to the thing. I had like peed in my waders and all kind of stuff, and he brings me in. But by by that point, dude, I'm like hypothermic because the water's freezing, yeah, dude. Yeah. And we still had like 30 minutes till the campsite. Oh yeah, it's full change out. He gives me his stuff, and I'm just like, <clears throat> oh yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So we get to the campsite, and by this time, I'm just like. Madness it out. Oh, and yeah. you, you can go ahead from there. So he comes around the corner, and you never saw a fat kid look at a donut so hard. He was so excited to see a 25 foot fire. And I don't know if it was a Colombian in him or not, but he was like literally like an inch and a half from this fire, and just steam is just bellowing out. He comes up, and we're playing a sauce kit on the paddle boards, which is like the hockey thing with little nets. It's like cornhole for hockey players or something. So we're doing we're doing the thing, and he just like lays on the, the board, and then like gets up, sits by the fire, and he is like this close to that fire, and it's hot. I mean, it's pine 25 footer? Yeah, oh, dude. Beef, <laughs> and he's just steaming. I don't even know how you be that close. Oh, dude. He was so happy too. He's just sitting there like, it's over. The madness. It's finally over. Like, I'm finally here. And the guy's on a fire. I'm so good. Oh, dude. And he's like trying to take his little neoprene side. And you know, when everything's wet, it's really tough oh, to get some man. of that crap it's off. Miserable. And then when you've been wearing it, it for 30 sticks. minutes, hypothermic, and you're all pruney, and it's, oh, dude, rough. No, I was full hypothermic at that point. Yeah. The fire, and I was just like, I got to get to the fire. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, my God, dude. Damn, you're late on it. We didn't have to go chest to chest like uh, Johnson. That's a, that's a story for another time. But, but hey, uh, you know. We, oh, the old skin to skin? Oh, yeah. The brought them back. Skin, that was high school. skin to skin. Oh, that shit. was back when you could Chest to camp. chest, though. Huh? Yeah, that was back when you could camp. And, uh, hey, bro, it's, hey, it's okay better than nuts to butts. It's yeah. okay if you cross. Is skin it? to skin. Oh, is it, nuts to nuts? Is better than nuts to butts? Is it? I don't know, bro. Oh, Just man. cross your legs, bro. Just cross oh, them yeah. to mine. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we were partying in the backside of Flat Top camping back when you could like still do that without getting oh, yeah. like, arrested. And this is like before. Uh, this is right around the time they had police on the hillside. They like, became part of the. Yeah, yeah it was they, the troopers they started, became they started part of the. On it. Yeah. Right. And yeah, and so you know, there's girls, guys, tents, whatever. And so you know, he was shaking and cold. So we dragged him in the tent, put him in the bag, and girls, hey girls, you know, like come warm him up, right? And so they're all like trying to warm him up, and like a couple minutes goes by, and he's still shaking. I was like, oh, homeboy's not coming back. I was like, <laughs> and I start pulling his like pants and shirt off and all. That. I just went chest to chest, and I'm a warm guy, and it took Run me hot? Like, like it took me five. Also a nice guy. Yeah, it took me like wow. five ten minutes to get him back. Like he was from somewhere they're not shaking, and it's like. So you whiskey. just you picked up on that he was fucking. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're getting a hot water bottle from me first <laughs> before we go chest to chest. Hey, man, you know what's funny? Up, you're getting a hot. Put this hot Nalgene in there and yeah. zip it up. <laughs> you know what, what's funny about that? That's what he does for his wife. Like he heats up uh, water and he'll put it in the Nalgene. What a smart move! And he puts it in the bottom of the yep. foot and it just radiates good. out. Yeah. And like, and you got water to drink. It's not yeah. frozen. No, it works well, I think good. I sold. That's I a mountaineering. Told, <laughs> it's a mountaineering tip. It's a great idea. Yeah. yeah. Did I tell a story last time about the? Tangy, actually. I come out at like 6 a.m. and there's only feet oh, sticking he, outside yeah, of the canopy, and it's you. I was like, I'm going to pee. I'm like, who's this guy? And you're just, 
just full shiver, dude. Yeah. Yeah, and we were talking about how hard it is oh, to yeah. get a grown man in a sleeping bag. Yeah. Oh, it's very but hard. Tangy's not a small guy. Either. No, dude. Nah. Like the full, like, uh, yeah, drag him in there, hard. get him in our, in your tent, put I, you in the sleeping bag. Was that the one where was that where James Canada? passed out yeah. in the chair? James, too. Yeah. And we were like, you're in the chair. And you no, know, he's in the he's chair, in the chair. And you're like with under the canopy because we had put it down for the wind. <laughs> and all I see is your feet, and I'm like, oh shit. And so I get James, he was good, yeah. but you're like, just I was like, fine. You're like, I'm yeah. good. And I was like, no, you're not. Oh, <laughs> dude, yeah. The one year we went to the falls, we were playing poker in shorts and flip flops at like 35 degrees, uh, all the way till like it was dark. Like that's how long we were up, and then I the Gatorade trick. I had bought the Gatorade bottles. It's like four a.m. Yeah, you're talking. And <laughs> we woke up at like six or seven, and it was when uh, Waggy Derek was on the trip. Oh, yeah. And we look out, and I'm literally looking at him, and he's outside freezing. He's peeing. It's like seven in the morning. It's cold. It's like thirty four ish degrees. See your breath. You can see your breath. Yeah. Everything's like got like frost and stuff on it or whatever, and. Waggy looks out at me and I was like, I was like, how's that waiter? And I just set out my bottle because I peed in the tent in the nice warm tent and like set it out. He's like, oh, you. Like, I was like, <laughs> like, you'll learn next year, you know, like <laughs> yeah. it's 37 degrees, bro. Bring those Gatorade bottles. Like, <laughs> wide mouth, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, the wide mouth. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Walking out there. No, dude, it was 14 inches. Like, <laughs> so much power, right? 14 <laughs> inches. So deep. <laughs> 14 inches honey don't drink out of that now Jim. that's for a different thing yeah. <laughs> yeah so the madness is real oh yeah i've seen hopefully one of you experience i haven't experienced it yet i've seen this i'm gonna like go every i'm gonna go out of my way in every way to not go into the madness oh like, man well yeah does it everybody just have to take it everyone experience? at one point i think it took me five years <clears throat> yeah before it was full Finally madness. Got, got me, dude. <laughs> Some people, you just have to be comfortable being lost sometimes. And not everybody's okay well, with that. Well, I think I would have been fine if I didn't fall in. Yeah. Well, what, what did Billy say? The vulnerability. Yeah. And it's like kind it of a... It, it brings it out in people. Like you I kind of call it showing your ass. It's kind of the same. Yeah. yeah. One in the same. Chest to chest. Well, yeah. just when you know, you know when you just go like fully blacked out, hammered, where someone has to care for you. Oh yeah, the whole night you're just yeah. totally subject to their you're a mess, care yeah. and well being, like kind of the same thing. Like yeah, it's yeah. vulnerable, dude. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, yeah. I actually you're had, like an infant. I actually had that recently. I, so me and my girlfriend's <laughs> first date was a Christmas party. And so wow. I was the Christmas party date. And so, oh, let's have some dates before so we're not the awkward people, whatever. So that was, you know, four years ago. And so we went to a Christmas party, her Christmas party, and did the thing. And this girl set up the whole thing, was killing it, doing the thing, whatever. Super nice lady. So hopefully she doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. She was super nice. And she just, she, you know, when you, you are the planner and you have to do everything yeah. and then you don't eat. And then you have a few cocktails or like the Telkeet and the Mules or the whatevers or those, <laughs> just those wines we were talking about. I came right out dome. of work and I went to that birthday party and I had some of those 12% wines. I was gone after like two or three. <laughs> and so this girl, gone, pops, the whole thing, had to take her to the hospital. Like, you know, <laughs> oh, she's this. a I planner? Mean, eyes in the back of her head. Tongue, oh. like, had to like reach in, make sure the tongue was okay, like, lean her forward. And then I had, I was the only one that could drive, drove her to the hospital. 
I really didn't buy man. Oh, dude. oh yeah. my goodness. So anyways, dude. it wasn't, you know, car cleanup was easy, all that stuff. It wasn't bad. It was just you gotta be ready for that. And the drunk people were like, Oh, we'll take her to the B and B, we'll take her to this, we'll take her to that. No. A bunch of drunk people do not need to take care of a girl with her <laughs> eyes in the back of her head and her tongue in her throat. No. <laughs> we're taking her to the pros. <laughs> we don't want this to be the last Christmas party that ever gets thrown. Like, let's just do it right and we got insurance and whatever, you know, like we're adults now. Let's we don't have to go chest to chest in a tent in the box out of flat top, you know, yeah. because the whiskey got us. Like, we're we're 42, 40, whatever years old. Let's keep going, right? Like, let's use technology. Well, one thing we learned about Tangy tonight, like you can go in the woods with this guy. He'll make sure you get out of there safe. I know. Right. Tangy will... Tangy rigging is a thing. He's seen it full tilt. Well, well it's good it. good uh uh, uh karma man you saved him and so yeah never know do for a saving hey you know <laughs> you never know when you're gonna need a 25 foot fire you know to warm your buddy <laughs> oh, up oh man we kept that thing going i would have got right? in there if i could have dude <laughs> right in the middle you you look like tangy, you wanted tangy, to tangy chest chest, 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 chest. <laughs> yeah he would he looked pretty miserable i got some pictures i'll show you some pictures i've heard yeah I've heard. i got the pictures of the fire him he's face down on the board like it's great yeah the faces really make it make it work so falling uh, apart yeah but well, you know like when you guys go hunting you guys meet up and it's like hey here's the route here's where we're going here's what we plan to do and i've heard you guys talk about your hunts before yeah, then oh. we rip that up and throw it in the air yeah that never or works. you go up the wrong <laughs> valley and like i've heard them say well we just walked like one. five miles in the wrong damn direction and that's you know it's you learn from your failures but these people are just on a raft or a boat or a thing. They don't know what how bad it's going to be. No, they're along for the ride, so they have zero clue like what it's going to be like. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You tell them twelve hours, they don't start a stopwatch. They're just like, oh, let me look at the sundial, and it's like there's twenty three and a half hours of sun. So good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Being along for the ride can be like the most fun, loose, like. Yeah. You know, no responsibility oh. to like, yeah, incredibly yeah. miserable. Are we there yet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not a role I accept very well. Yeah, we have I'm a few people that uh, don't go on the raft trip anymore because of the looseness. <laughs> that, <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> with no names, there would be uh, some people that had to like literally get their life jackets tied onto them and slept in full clothes, full waders, full gear the whole trip because. We just didn't want them to go in the river unsupervised, <laughs> and we couldn't supervise them all day. Like, yeah, it was crazy. Put like, a life jacket on their head, just like <laughs> stays on. Just, I don't think it would have mattered. Just their heads above water, no matter what. <laughs> they came a little too loose. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh man. Yeah, they they were it like Brock's bachelor party. <laughs> <laughs> we floated, so that's we floated the upper and the lower. Sounds the like we have the Patreon float. Yeah. That's actually how it Podcast. started. Was, uh, Did you go to Ryan Thompson's bachelor mm, party? No, but I've where, been at weddings with Galen. Ryan went full. Oh. Galen. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> oh so he's part of the River Crew, isn't he? Oh, he had he has he knows well about River Madness. Mm. He was the first time I ever witnessed actually. Oh River yeah. Madness. Oh yeah. <laughs> he's the first case. <laughs> yeah, he's the oh. first case. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, well a, documented. <laughs> I saw Galen out in Talkeetna on New Year's this last year, and like he was with his family, so no madness. But yeah, 
He gets uh, PG thirteen. Gets, gets on those uh, goes full mush, posh, full and he gets full possum, just in the forest on his twenty acres or whatever he's got out there, just climbing trees. And, yeah. Hey, I talk a lot of shit about it, but when I was a kid, like that's what we did on the hillside. We would rip around in the middle of the night, chasing like moose and this and that, and whatever, and going and just. Having fun in the wilderness, man. It was great. It was such a fun time, you know, as a child. And, like, you didn't have any phones or nothing. nothing. You just checked in once in a while. That was yeah. it. It was awesome. So much fun. Those days are gone. I miss it. They are yep. gone. Sitting in the snow, staring at the stars, man. It was pretty sweet. You still so, get that once in a while? Yeah. No. I didn't tell Keenan. I was just kicking it. It was yeah. clear night. Get it's away nice. from those city lights. Your kids can't, though. Yeah. yeah. They're, oh, not gonna, usually. they're not going to experience that. No. Yeah. Yeah. Like Billy was talking about hard. his daughters on the video I watched about the Snapchat streaks. That's why I was giving him shit. Like, oh, yeah. Like, got to keep that streak alive. Keep my right? streak alive. <laughs> I ain't killing nothing in Alaska. Yeah. <laughs> so crazy, man. Yeah. I know. Oh, man. Well, big shout to Billy, man, for coming yeah. on. Man, you know, thank you to him and thank you to Chad and Aaron for coming on. Yeah. yeah. Well, good time, guys. Yeah, um, don't forget, fun. we got the live podcast coming up uh, next Monday. We'd like to have a good show out, out there. Lots of big prizes. Um, a lot yeah. of merch will be out there. Some good beer, some good food. It's going to be a good time. Um, what else we got coming? That's Palmer Hill House, yeah. Palmer Hill House, nice. yeah. January 16th. Palmer Hill House, SCI next, Banquet. Monday. We're going to get involved with the local SCI Banquet. Well, um, like Jer John Sturgeon said on here when I asked him, like, you know, how do how did people get involved? Like the average hunter. And he was saying, like, join these organizations that are doing the work to protect what you want to do. So I think it's important for people to show up to these events. Even if you can't show up, sign up. Yeah. Yeah. It's 35 bucks. Even if you just hear this on the podcast and you can't make a house and you can't, you know, be no. part of that, you can also mm. get on the website, look at what it's all about, and make an educated decision if you want to get involved. Yeah. Yeah. And if you really are about this, it it's just in line with what you yeah. most likely believe in what you want. And so. mo and most of these most of these organizations <clears throat> are. I mean, it, you can get, you can support it relatively cheap. I mean, it's thirty five bucks, right? Yeah, Their membership. Man, it's spend that on coffee. Every on coffee. Week. Yeah, every week, guaranteed. Yeah. Everyone does. Yeah. Yeah. Probably not one yeah. person listening that is yeah. like, damn. Yeah. Well, we're all maybe we're all Alaskans, and it's like you know, you get free money every year for living here, and it's like I do pick, click, give. I do all sorts of other stuff. Nice. And it's like free money. It's like yeah, I'm gonna go do five less fancy coffees in six months and that just donated to this thing for hunger or this hunting organization or this thing that i listen sure. to all or whatever sure. the case yeah. may be well uh, we talk uh, about our spend that at the bar yeah yeah we talk about bucks. our our love for our access well that's what bha is all about so yeah <laughs> public land mm -hmm. yep yeah so and even if you're not a hunter or a fisherman. No, it doesn't have like to. They're a, hiker, great, or they're a, a great skier. organization to support because they are fighting to keep public land public yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's huge. Yeah. Wild land, wild. Yeah. yeah. Fun fact: um, the way we've ended the show, the last like I don't know, sixty shows, is because <laughs> Aaron, <laughs> one night at a hockey game, said, "You know what you should do? You should say this at the end of the show." <laughs> that was you, Ting. Yeah. Yep. So why don't you go ahead and hit us with it? Close oh, it yeah. out, baby. So like, there was a bunch of variations, but uh, to everyone listening, thank you for supporting these guys. They do a great job, just like the land management guys. Those guys work really hard and they don't get paid a lot. They do it for the love, just like these guys do. So 
stay wild, Alaska. You remember my speaking to you of what I call your overcautiousness. Are you not overcautious when you assume that you cannot do what the enemy is constantly doing? The Alaska Wild Project podcast is brought to you by the following sponsors. Barney Sports Chalet, supplying hunters with the best hand-selected gear since 1963. The exclusive home of Frontier Gear, built for the rugged Alaskan terrain. Your one-stop shop for all your outdoor needs. Visit Barney's today at 906 West Northern Lights. Arbor Digital, the forefront of digital assets, cryptocurrencies, and wealth management. Providing a low-cost, research-based investment strategy for Alaskans looking to invest their hard-earned money. Visit arborcapital.io today to put your money to work. Tailored Restoration 24-Hour Emergency Home Services. Helping Alaskans restore their dreams since 1972. Services include fire, water, mold, post-emergency cleaning, repair, and remodeling. Give them a call in Anchorage, Eagle River, Matsu, or Fairbanks. Hit them up at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. Total Truck and Alaska Overlander, Alaska's premier supplier for custom automotive accessories and overlanding products, providing all-inclusive rental vehicles and trailers custom outfitted to explore the Alaskan backcountry with a unique and convenient traveling experience. Serrano's Mexican Grill, two locations, one on Tudor, one on Northern Lights. The Northern Lights location has their new tequila bar. Check it out. Also see their daily specials at serranosmexicangrill.com. TheTreeHouseAK.com, located at 341 Boniface Parkway, Alaska's own and grown cannabis and CBD store. Ask the bud tender what the strain of the day is to get your 10% off. The Treehouse, where the culture lives. The Connoisseur Lounge, Alaska's premier locally owned and operated cannabis retailer, located in the heart of Palmer, Alaska. Their cultivated products include Snowcap Romance, Aurora Haze, Super Glue, and much more. Find them at theconnoisseurlounge.net. AKO Farms, located in Sitka, Alaska, built from the ground up with concentrates as their single motivation, with exclusive products such as their sugar wax, full spectrum diamond sauce cards, and more. Ask your local bud tender about AKO. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under the influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For the use of only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children, and marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. The Bait Shack. Located on Ship Creek upstream of the bridge, can't miss the bright red shack. They're the go-to fishing gear rental and guide service on Ship Creek. Tight lines and fish on. Come hook into the action with them. Hit them up at thebaitshackak.com. Snow Pro AK, your snow and ice management company specializing in business and residential properties. They know what it takes to keep your property presentable and safe. Give them a call for a free estimate at 280-7098 or visit lawnproak.com. Double Shovel Cider Company, located off of Arctic and 58th, handcrafted Alaskan-made colonial ciders. They also have a tap room downtown on the corner of 5th and E. Stop by today and taste an award-winning cider. The Alaska chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. BHA is the voice of our Alaskan public lands, waters, and wildlife. Their goal is to uphold our hunting and fishing legacy while keeping our public lands wild. Stand up today and join BHA at backcountryhunters.org. Should you not claim to be at least his equal in prowess and act upon the claim? I say try. If we never try, we shall never succeed. This proposition is a simple truth and it's too important to be lost.
lost sight of for a moment. If we cannot beat the enemy where he now is, we never can. It is all easy if our troops march as well as the enemy, and it is unmanly to say they...